if you're listening to this uh, an audio version, you're denied the beauty of my salmon covered colored T-shirt. Beautiful TriStar. You look good in it. I look very good in your <laughs> shirt. Thanks for coming here, brother. Pleasure. Glad to be here. Pleasure to have you, man. I use one of your expressions all the time, the touch of death. And there is no better example than what we saw Saturday night with Deontay Wilder. Jesus Christ, can that guy punch. I had him losing all the rounds. Yeah, me too. And uh, I thought one round was really close. Could go either way, but I had it six to none. And that right hand, my God. <laughs> it's so crazy. It doesn't even make sense. When you look at that shot, it landed it above, like, kind of like in the forehead, this area. Yeah. Not, in, not even on the chin. No. Usually here, if you're a powerful puncher, you could daze a guy. Yeah. But put him out the way he did. Yeah. Wow. And no wind-up, too. No wind-up. Just right from here. Blah! That's touch of death. Crazy. Touch like, of death. nobody ever. Think about that guy's record. 41 knockouts. One decision, one draw. It's incredible. Undefeated, 41 knockouts in 42 fights. I mean, that is bonkers. And he was getting outboxed. Like, he's not yeah. the best boxer. Well, he, he doesn't care to box with yeah, you. Yeah, that's he right. He just, he yeah. knows. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's such a crazy strategy because out of anyone that has ever fought in the heavyweight division, he is the one guy that literally can shut everyone's lights out mm -hmm. with one shot. Everyone's a knockout artist. Foreman was uh -huh. a knockout artist. Frazier, Tyson, of course, was a knockout artist. But not like this guy. This no. guy's got, it's like another level of craziness. I would agree. I mean, he knows himself. That's what's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. If he was less strategic, he would have started fighting really early. And maybe, yeah. maybe zap that power he has. But he knows. He yeah. knows exactly. He didn't care he lost six rounds. He had no. no he had no qualms about it. And he got hurt just before just before he knocked out uh Luis. He was hurt. And he stayed calm. He's like, Oh, now you're gonna come for it? Now you're gonna walk into the right and bang. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, I think he also knew that from the first fight, Ortiz started to fade. And the mm. first fight was very similar in that the first few rounds there was very little action. And then it started to pick up, but then Ortiz started to fade. But Ortiz put it on him in that first fight. If you watch that first fight, you're like, Wow, this is a crazy rematch for him to take. But mm -hmm. in this fight, he just fought a perfect strategy, just waiting. And people, oh my God, I was on Twitter reading people. This guy can't even box. Like, did you not see what happened? You say he can't box. He's undefeated. He's the fucking heavyweight champion of the world. He has he tied Muhammad Ali for the most title defenses ever. Mm -hmm. Did you really just say he can't box? In fact, he's a professional boxer. Go in there with him then. <laughs> Go in there. If I laced you up right before the, you would be like, oh you'd be God. so petrified, you would turn white and faint. The way he punches is so strange. It's mm. so strange. Mm. And you know, when he fought Tyson Fury, he told me he weighed 209 pounds. Oh, really? 209. That's it. That's it. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he's, he's a phenomenal. Like, all humans are not created equal. Mm. Some people mm. just have a beautiful hand mm. of cards. Yes. Like, that guy's got four aces, and he puts them right in your face. Boom. He, he understands what he's good at. Mm-hmm. And he fights that way, yes. which is brilliant. Because yes. I always tell my students, it's, fighting is two things. It's one is level. You got to get to a certain level. And then the second thing, you have to figure out your style. Like you have to know everything about what you do. Like for instance, if you look at Ali and Tyson, they fought totally differently. Two equally, in my opinion, like, okay, we could split hairs and say who was better. Let's say they fought, it would be very competitive. Whoever you think would win in that fight, it would be very competitive. Ali fights the total opposite of Tyson. Ali circles 
supposedly the wrong way. If you look at the book of boxing, they tell you don't circle towards the power side. He doesn't care. In his style, it makes sense. He's up on his toes. He's jabbing. He rarely ever throws a body shot. He throws, he's thrown a handful of body shots in his entire career. Whereas Tyson is the total opposite. He marches forward. He has that peekaboo style. He has that, you know, he's got the gloves tied up to his chin. And a totally different style. If Tyson tried to fight like Ali, he would lose. You know, but they're at the same level. But they figured out, hey, what am I good at? What, what advantages do I have physically? What disadvantages do I have physically? And that's why at one point you have to figure out your style. And I feel that's where most fighters fall apart. They never mm. figure out their style. They're trying to do what some trainer told them. They're trying to do what the guy they, they most admire in the ring does. They never find out exactly how they, what's best for them. Mm. That's such a good point because it's such a creative art form in that way. And I, I do believe that martial arts are an art form. I really do because to me, it's so beautiful. Like even that right hand that Deontay landed, that to me was gorgeous. There's never been a prettier sunset or a more beautiful mountain. Just blap! Watch that spray. That's the, the way you see the spray, the sweat come off his head and then Ortiz crumbles and Deontay walks away like this. Chest up like, motherfucker, you're not getting up. He knew he wasn't he knew, getting he up. Knew. He knew. He knew. When he dropped him, he yeah. walked off right away. Like he knew he was calm. It's the he way like, he walked off too. Yeah, it's just he like he, he knows. Knew. He knew. God damn, that guy's got crazy power. But that, but what you said is so important because it, it's a creative endeavor. You're you're trying to figure out how to land shots, and you're also trying to disguise what your ideas are, what your tactics are, and you got to figure out what works best for your body type. And that's so open ended. Like martial arts are so it's so open ended. Once the mm -hmm. referee says fight. There's all this creativity involved. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't really appreciate. A hundred percent. Sometimes you have a trainer who kills that creativity because mm. he tells you, look, this is how you fight. Right. And if you go outside of that mold, no, no, you're reprimanded. Yeah. So me, me, if a fighter wants to drop his hands, should you drop your hands in a fight or should you hold them up? Well, it depends what kind of guy you are. If you got incredible eyes and you see shots coming from a mile away and you're, you're successful with your hands down or one hand down per se, let's say. Then keep doing it. But you gotta, that's why I think sparring is so important because when we spar, we actually try it. Mm -hmm. Now we're testing. We're testing, hey, does this airplane fly or is it gonna crash and burn? Well, we better test it in the gym before we take it out in the arena and find out it doesn't fly. And I always tell guys, look, if, if, you're, if you're fighting with your hands down, show me in practice that you're successful. Then I won't, I won't say anything negative. I won't say, I won't change your style. I'll let it be. But first we have to see that you're successful because theories is one thing. But then when you get in there and try it, it's a whole other. Mm. Well, Wonderboy Thompson is an excellent example of that. Exactly. And he fights so well with his hands down. And he is, the, to me, the consummate karate-style fighter that has made the perfect transition to MMA because he fights so well with his hands down. You don't know where stuff's coming. You don't know whether it's coming up, whether it's coming around, whether it's going straight at you. And you don't see it until you're looking at his body and these things are coming up from his hands being down like this and he's standing sideways. You can take him to the wrong trainer and ruin him. Let's say he was really young and he was forbidden that style. Because hmm. some trainers do that. They forbid right. a certain style. They for forbid a certain type of uh, maneuver or, or, or style altogether. Like, for instance, in the 70s, most trainers would not train a, a, right -hand, a left-handed boxer. They'd switch hmm. you around. No, 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 I don't train left-handed. You got to be right-handed. We got to convert you. But that's a, that's a dex detriment to the fighter. Because your trainer is limited and when I, he only understands fighting in one way, now I'm going to limit my fighter. 
It's 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 totally wrong in my opinion. Like, what do you think about fighters who say that even if you're a right-handed person, there's an advantage to fighting as a southpaw because you have your most dexterous mm -hmm. hand, the hand that you have the the most control of is your lead hand, and you're also fighting in this unusual stance that is only like what is southpaws like maybe two out of ten people something like right, that. Right, right here in the West, yeah, yeah. If you go to Asia, it's a lot more. But is it really? Yeah, the Asians are more why. southpaw. I think uh, you know they. The wheel of the car is on the other side. Oh. And there's sh stick shift. I don't know. It's like a left-handed world almost. A lot of things are the other way around. Huh. Yeah, like uh, they drive on the other side of the road. The, the, the driver's on the other side of the car. So I, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it affects the way you're developed. But uh, I agree. Like I think I always tell fighters, try both sides and see which one you like better. Mm. I can't tell you which one you're more comfortable with. Maybe one of your eyes is the stronger. So you, yes. when you're like this, it's, it's kind of killing you. So you need to be like that. You never know until you test. So I like to let the guys figure it out. So when t people tell me, do I grab it like this or like that? In some instances, there's a right way and a wrong way. For as far as we know, one way is right, one way is wrong. And sometimes it doesn't make a difference. I tell guys, grab like you're comfortable. Because I do it the way I, I like to do it. I don't do it the way my trainer showed me. So in this particular instance, I say it's a question of comfort. Like people freak out if you grab a kimura like this with your thumb. Mm -hmm. I don't. In some instances, I grab the kimura with my thumb. In some instances, I don't. Mm. So I just show people both, and I say, look, th that part, it's up to you. You certainly can finish it with, by using the thumb. Sure, and in some instances, yeah. it's stronger with the thumb. In some instances. Yeah, because you have better hand control. Sure. Yeah, you know, just clamping down on it, you're actually isolating it. Yeah, I mean, some people have just ridiculous grip with their hands, too, and that, that, that should play a factor in there as well. Do you remember uh, Semi Schilt? Yeah. Semi Schilt had hands that are as big as his table. And he'd grab a hold of the guy's wrists and they'd be just <laughs> fucked. Like, if you were in his guard, he'd just grab your wrist. Like, this. Yeah, he did that with Fedor. He was yeah, like, This is you for the whole round. It's like, Venom uh, uh. Page did that with the Lima. Yes. You remember that? Yes. Like, yes. Just mm -hmm. crazy yeah. grip. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a great fight, too, huh? Mm -hmm. Lima, that's, that's an argument for me. That Lima is one of the arguments for me where I feel like there's got to be, uh, as a fan, I want to see Lima fight the best 170 pounders in the world. So a co-promotion. Mm -hmm. I know the UFC never wants to see a co-promotion because mm -hmm. that promotes up, it pumps up Bellator. But uh, right now, Lima, especially after he just decisioned Rory, mm -hmm. you know, and the way he knocked out Michael Page. I mean, nobody's mm -hmm. nobody's done that to no. Page before. And no. the way he did it, like that guy can put anyone to sleep. Can I ask you who who did you give round one to? Page versus Lima. I thought it was 50, like I was right around the middle. <sighs> I'd have to watch it again because all I remember was Lima starching him. In round you one? Know? No, no, no. I mean, when, when did it end? Uh, round two. Round, round two, he two. just... Yeah. But he got hurt right before he knocked him out. Mm -hmm. like he got, yeah, he got, he got a little wobbled and then he kind of got his base again yes. and then low kick, mm -hmm. boom, yeah. uppercut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vicious. Yo, he's he's so dangerous. He's so dangerous. And his low kicks are some of the best in the oh, world. I that never seen that. first fight with Rory. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that <laughs> swelling on his leg. Didn't he say that it took like six months before he could Oh, use his it leg's right? still not the same. Really? <laughs> no, really? Well, it's uh, like it tore some fascia. So if you look at it, it's, his leg is a little bit uh, like there's like some hanging oh, uh, soft tissue. Yeah. Oh, I mean, That's like Pedro Hizzo. You remember Pedro Hizzo when he's fighting heavyweight? Yeah. He would kick guys in the leg and they'd have yeah. this look on their face like, what yeah. in the fuck mm -hmm. is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's that's, levels. That's when this the rematch wanted to make sure. We got to take that off the table, mm, you know. Yes, yeah. I look forward to a to a trilogy match. So it's one on one now, you know. But Rory's Rory's had some conversations where he's talked about like not fighting again. Uh, you know what? I think uh, he's had some mixed emotions, but I think he's clear he wants to fight now. Like, there's no question about. it. I think it was just that moment in the ring, and he was emotional. But once his head clears up, like he wants to fight again. Like, I don't think you could stop him from fighting. Like, he loves to fight.
Well, he's so good. Nah, he's so good. I mean, He'll be he, back. And I, what, what did you think when he went up to fight Musasi? I was worried about that fight. I didn't like that fight. I didn't like that fight either. But, uh, you know, if you want to win double gold, you got to take that risk. But right. personally, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't think you should fight a champion in his prime when you're a weight class below. Like, when they were asking for uh, BJ Penn versus George, I was like, yeah, let's do it. George is in his prime right now. Right. You want to bring a champion and the guy with another belt? And, but I think it was a bad decision for, for BJ. Like, if I was BJ's trainer, I wouldn't let him, let him do that. Right. Like, for instance, when George, when they wanted to put him with Anderson Silva, I said, look, give me a game plan that was, I'm really confident in. And then we'll do it, but maybe not when he's at his prime. Like, it's, it's just so dangerous. And, I, and I'll tell you why. You can win, but then be uh, shorten your career. Yes. Because at that level, yes. 15 pounds more is 15 tons more. Like, well, there's fights that people win. And even if they want, like the, my position on Stipe versus Francis Ngannou is very similar. I mean, I know Stipe won that fight, but Jesus Christ, Francis Ngannou. He scares the shit out of me, man. <laughs> he hits people so hard. When he knocked out Alistair, I mean, literally, like, you saw his soul leave his body. And then Stipe survives that fight, but then gets KO'd by DC mm -hmm, with mm -hmm, one punch mm -hmm, shortly mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. And my, I mean, it's something that I don't want to take anything away from DC because uh, he clearly landed that punch. It was clearly a strategy of working in the clinch and is a beautiful punch. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Maybe he lands that beautiful punch in the rematch and he knocks him out again. Maybe it could have mm -hmm. happened, but it didn't. Yep. And I wondered how much of that punch having such a dramatic effect on Stipe, who's had an amazing chin most of his career, how much of that was because of that incredible war that he had with Francis? Because the first round of that was terrifying. It was. Terrifying. And, and the thing is, if Ngannou loses, he's going to lose in a way that's not so bad. But if you lose to Ngannou, it could yeah. be the end of your career. Yes. Like you may be. never be the same. Yes. So did he help DC? Well, for sure. You know, it's all cumulative, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But other fighters, I mean, John Jones helped Miocic as well. But I get what you're saying. Like, Ngannou's got the touch of death. Like, yes. if, if I was his trainer, I'd put him in boxing yes. uh, as well. Like, I'd, I'd be looking at boxing fights. Well, you know, he's talking about that. Well, he should be. He has a few fights left on his UFC deal. And apparently his idea is to one day make his way into boxing, which is just a fantastic. He's so big. <laughs> He's lifting weights again, apparently, uh, just randomly. I ran into his agent um, at this place called Dreamscape. Do you know mm -hmm. what Dreamscape is? No. Dreamscape is this uh, cool virtual reality thing in LA. You put on these goggles and you oh, go yeah. through this adventure. And his family and my family did it together, just randomly. Just happened to be teamed up together. Wow. And we were talking about Francis. And he was saying that Francis wants to eventually fight as a boxer, as a heavyweight boxer. That's his dream. Mm. And that right now he's been lifting weights and he's like well over 270. He's apparently like 275, 279, somewhere in that mm -hmm. range. He's but he's got to be careful with weights because weights could actually make you weaker. Like if you, if, you, if you balloon yourself up too far, it can gas you out. And later on, like you yes. lose the sustainability of your power. Right. There's a right amount of muscle for each athlete. I mean, it just, I, don't know, I don't agree that bigger is always better, more power. It's not necessarily the case, but he has to stay within his natural uh, limits for optimal power. Also, he has to make sure that... Look, at a guy that big, at 279 pounds, he's probably not really accustomed to cutting weight. There he is. Boom, boom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this guy's got some thighs on him. <laughs> the power that guy has, though, just ridiculous. So, he's yeah, he's at the UFC Performance Institute, so he gets mm. a chance to use all – they have an amazing facility there. Have you trained down there at all? Yes, I have. I've been there a few times. It's incredible. I huh? was actually supposed to work with Ngannou, but uh, we had a little trouble connecting, but like uh, getting him in the country and all that. Oh, but I was supposed in, to work with him. Into Montreal? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I would definitely put him in boxing. So I would do both. I would do MMA and boxing. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, it's, it's like in Thailand, you know, in Thailand, 
if you've got good hands, like if you do a couple of Thai fights, Muay Thai fights, and you knock a couple of guys out with your hands, they take you right away into boxing. Like they see the, the really? potential. Yeah, because there's more money in boxing. Ah. If you're world champion Muay Thai, it's not the same as being world champion in boxing. How much do you think Deontay Wilder won this weekend? <sighs> I don't know. But the way he's winning, it's got to be... It's got to be something special. Like, I it's hope. Got, it's got to be. He's heavyweight world champion. Yes, I would I would hope. But well, the, the interesting thing, too, is the this tournament that's involved, this unofficial tournament, right? Because what do we have? Are we a week or, or so away from the rematch between Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua? It's got to be coming up soon. Somewhere, I think it's yeah. about a week. I think it's next weekend. Mm. But that fight, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that's another one. And Joshua looks so good in training. And Andy Ruiz, man, you can't judge that guy on his belly. You don't know nothing if you think that's what it is. You think that's what fighting is? Please. Do you guys have a tissue somewhere? Sorry, yeah, my, sure, my nose sure. is like... His, Thank you. His hands are spectacular. The fluidity of his combinations, it's gorgeous, man. The Mexican Rocky. Oh, he's so good. I love watching that guy throw combinations. And when he fought Joshua, that was the thing. Was he, If he hit him once, he's going to hit him 13, 14, 15 times after that. Bang, 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 mm. bang. And the hands are like a middleweight's hands. I mean, he's so fast. He moves He moves beautifully. He takes a shot great, too. Mm. And he's such a like a sweet, unassuming guy. Like, he wins the title, and you're like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> like, you're happy for him. He's Absolutely. such a nice guy, man. But do you think uh, Joshua underestimated him? Well, the word is, and this is from people that, that really know what's going on. This is, an un, I mean, I, I can't give specifics, but he, apparently Joshua got knocked out in training. Oh, really? Yes, like a couple weeks out, like bad. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why they say his father was so furious at the promoter mm. after Ruiz knocked him out. And it's also one of the reasons they said that he had a, some sort of a panic attack in the locker room leading up to the fight. Mm -hmm. So if he was compromised and he knew he was compromised, you know, and you know, as well as anybody, there's certain knockouts that you can get in the gym that can fuck a fighter up for months. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <sighs> I've seen it. That's yes. why in the practice room, I don't like rough training. I don't like rough training. Like certain fighters who are coming up to a fight, I'll let it go further. I get it. We need the intensities. But I don't like to go in the gym and see this guy knocked out this guy. Then this guy knocked out this guy. And then right, what right. happens is you go in the practice room, there's nobody there the next week for sparring. Right. You know, sparring has to be practice, not fighting. Right. So if I had a world champion and he's sparring and I felt one of his sparring partners was out of control, I would definitely have a talk with him or not use him anymore. Like when George, when George spars, I pick all his rounds, but they have to be, they have to be reasonable rounds, not, not, and I mean, not touch barring, but not also being malicious and trying to injure each other. But George told me that you told certain guys to try to knock him out. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true also. I put a bounty on him as well. Because the guys at one point, he was too famous. Nobody wanted to touch him no more. Oh. And it was too low. Oh, I see. So I'm the like, listen, too low. put him on the ground. I'm going to Twitter it for you. Your Tinder is going to explode. You're going to become famous. <laughs> You're going to be the number one man on Twi Tinder. Everybody's swiping right for you. You're the guy who took GSP down. Like I pumped them up because they're too, oh, it's GSP. Right, right. You know, so there's a balance. There's not, there's too little and then there's too much, you know. So, I mean, if you're trying to like uh, throw vicious knees when, you know, like if you're, if you're, if I see you're trying to be rough, overly rough, because this is a control, you know, if I touch you, I'm going to back off if I hurt you. Mm -hmm. But if I touch you and nah, I'm trying to knee you and kick you and I'm trying to like, right. That's like, hey, this guy's. And the thing is with George, sometimes I'll keep a guy fresh. So he'll be he'll be two two rounds in, then I put in a fresh guy. So that fresh guy has to have some control as well because George is tired now. Right. You know, he's fatigued and et cetera. So I mean, there, there's a balance. There's too little and there's too much. So uh, if if you get knocked out in practice before a title fight, it could be an accidental, but it could also be 
negligence. The guys are just too rough. Because sometimes you do go in boxing gyms and it's like kill or be killed. Yes. That's the attitude. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of MMA gyms as well. I agree. Yeah. And it's... um. It's very unfortunate because a lot of people, they ruin their career mm -hmm. inside the gym because they're sparring not just once a week, but twice, three times a week. And, they're going, and they might get concussed. They might get concussed on Tuesday mm -hmm. and spar again on Thursday. And yeah. that's very, very common. Absolutely. And there's no regulation. No one's stopping you from sparring. Mm -hmm. If you got head kicked tomorrow, no one's stopping you from showing up on Saturday and putting your mouthpiece in and going into class. It's just... It's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. And I think most people don't, think about those sparring sessions as being cumulative like that adding mm. on to the the number i always tell people to look at their brain like a punch ticket like mm -hmm. let's say you have a hundred spots mm -hmm. on that punch ticket don't use them up sparring mm -hmm. with some guy where you just decide to bite down your mouthpiece and go mm -hmm. to war with this guy for no reason mm. that's you gotta if you want to be a professional fighter you have to act like a professional you, you have to treat mm. your profession mm. with respect and think that you only have a certain amount of time in the game. Mm -hmm. And that's what, I mean, this thing that you teach and this thing that I love, this mixed martial arts, it must be treated with respect because when done perfectly and when done in, and when someone wins a title and someone has an amazing run like George did when he was the mm. welterweight champion, I mean, it's a truly spectacular thing, mm. but it can also go terribly wrong. And, you you have to like it's one of the reasons why I asked you is Rory want to fight and you said yes mm -hmm. he wants to fight nothing can mm -hmm. stop him that's beautiful I want to hear that mm. the worst thing you could see is someone who maybe doesn't really want to fight anymore mm -hmm. and they keep fighting and they keep getting knocked out and no one tells them hey you got to stop I was I was talking to uh, Freddie once upon a time Freddie Roach mm. and he was telling me about you know different guys how they train and one boxer I don't want to say his name but he was telling me that guy's that guy's routine was 12 rounds of sparring every day. Is that James Tony? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You know, you know, you know, it's got to be him. <laughs> He's one of the greatest counterpunchers of all time. Oh, yeah. But when he when he was fighting the UFC. Well, they, I, was, I, I, yeah. I know what you mean, but they had to put subtitles. He's speaking English. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They had to put subtitles. Yeah. You know, at what price? Yes. At yes. what price? You're going to do 12 rounds a day. So there has to be like. Look at the Cuban boxers. They're not rough in practice. Look at the ties. Right. They're not rough. They're technical. The ties especially. Ties especially. They, they play. I love Sanchai. Sanchai is one of the greatest yeah. Instagram pages too. Because mm. you see all his training and you know he's sparring with no gloves on, mm -hmm. no shin mm -hmm. pads. Mm -hmm. And they just, hey, hey. They're just tapping each other and slapping each other. And when he's not doing that, he's hitting pads. Mm. And, and, and then he fights. And he'll fight bare knuckle. Smiling yeah. ear to yeah. ear. He's yeah. going to a bare knuckle fight. They brought him a foreigner he's never seen before. The foreigner's 20 pounds heavy. He's got 80 fights. He doesn't care. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't even care. And it's bare knuckle. And he's there walking now. Yeah. And he's like, he's smiling. I'll be petrified. Listen, I'll be like, okay, this is it. Like, I got to kill her. The guy's so relaxed. He has a he's beautiful so style too. Incredible. I love how light he is on his feet. Like, mm -hmm. it's a perfect example of what you were saying. Even though he's fighting in this discipline, Muay Thai, he fights his own way. I mean, if you saw a silhouette mm -hmm, of Sanchai mm -hmm, fighting, mm -hmm, you'd say, well, that's Sanchai. Mm -hmm, he's got mm -hmm, his way. Mm -hmm, Light on the feet, switching mm -hmm. stances all the time. Mm -hmm, move, mm -hmm. Like, really interesting style mm. that he developed this. Yeah, yeah. He, there's so many ways to do it, and you don't know which one is right until you try it on. That's how I always tell guys. When I show them a new technique, I say, do it for two weeks. If you don't like it after two weeks... I don't ask you to do it again. Mm. But you got to have that grace period because sometimes you teach something to somebody and I've done this too where I learn a move and I'm like, no, I don't do guillotine like that. 
And then a year later, I'm like, that's the, my favorite way to do guillotine. Like, I changed my mind about yes. it. Why? Because I tried it out. I actually figured out the nuances after exploring it a little bit more. And all of a sudden, I like this guillotine above this one. Do you ever fuck with this pretzel grip? Uh, yeah, sometimes. That not. feels so weird when you do it in the air. But goddamn, mm. when you do it on a person, it feels amazing. Mm. It feels like one of the best grips. When I do this, I'm trying to sweep. Ah, so that's how, like, if I'm like this, I'm going to sweep you. Oh, because you have more leverage in the yeah, forearms? Like my more forearms. Pull? My forearm's inclined. Mm. So if I'm like this, my elbow's down. If my, I'm like this, my elbow's up. So I I, see. now it's easier for me to, to tilt you. And then you got like Marcelo who grabs the hand on the outside. Mm -hmm. He grabs like the blade of the hand and mm. that's his grip. And his thought is that he's sliding this in better and also for the rear naked, which is his specialty. So if you're rolling, if he goes for that and he's rolling, he gets your back again. He's always sliding under the chin. He's got a vicious guillotine. Like oh, I, he's I've, got a vicious everything. I, I felt it. Like you're, <laughs> you're tapping right away. Like yeah, there's no compromise. You know, it's yeah, it's um that it's a blade of the bone against mm. the esophagus too. His mm. his style so unique too because everything was based on no no big man moves, right? Like he didn't believe in kimuras. He mm. does, doesn't do kimuras. No kimura because it's like you know you if you're doing a kimura against a big giant guy you're not going to be able to get it because you're not going to be able to, he's going to wrestle out of it. Mm. So everything he did was all neck based. Do you ever see a smaller guy kimura a bigger guy? Very 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 so very rare. rarely. Yeah, so the rare. guy has to be exhausted. Right. So he uses it as a grip. Yes. But not as a finish. Right. Because this philosophy is if the finish doesn't finish everybody. Mm hmm. It's not good enough. Well, there's a lot of guys who teach a system based on Kimura traps, like mm -hmm. using the Kimura to get to the back, using the Kimura to set up an armbar. And I think that's a, that's a, I mean, like I'm a fan of a Kimura and Jocko who mm -hmm. just left is, he'll rip your fucking shoulders mm -hmm, off. Mm -hmm. He's a Kimura master, but he's also a gorilla. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, Jocko's yeah. 5'11", 240, <laughs> and he's fucking, he's a yeah, tank. Yeah. He's all about ripping shoulders apart mm -hmm. and neck cranks. He's, he's, I if if he grabbed the kimura on me, I'd be freaking out. Like yeah. I know that's that's really bad. Yes, you know, I, I when I'm rolling with a bigger guy, I know that I have to do everything not to give them that grip. Yes, yes. you know, it's it's like you have to know the pros and cons of every hold. I mm -hmm. believe in kimura. I train my students in kimura because if you don't do kimura, you're gonna get caught in kimura. Right, and the it's also an effective way to get out of certain situations. Sure, sure. Yeah, if you don't know kimura. It's like if you don't know Dars, like when when Dars came on the scene, everybody was getting Dars by the mm -hmm. guys who knew Dars. Right. When when uh, Anaconda came out on the scene, everybody was getting caught in Anaconda. Leg locks came out on the scene; it was leg lock fire. Everybody, if you don't know the mm. leg, leg lock game, you don't know the new leg lock game. You're done. So every time there's something new, I like to learn it, whether I like it or not. Long term, I still know it. So if you try it, like I know what you're up to. You know, it's kind of like a magic trick. You know, if you show it to me again, I'm not so surprised. Right, right. What, what are your feelings on guys like uh, Gary Tonin, who's doing fantastic now in MMA, but he hasn't really faced the upper level mm -hmm. of competition? We're, we're not seeing anybody with that style mm -hmm. winning. I mean, since Paul Harris, who has a similar sort of modified, mm -hmm. sort of si very but similar leg lock attack. Look, I think ultimately the most important martial art is jiu-jitsu. And I'll tell you why. Because to beat jiu-jitsu, you need jiu-jitsu mixed with something else. Boxing, wrestling, taekwondo, whatever. But you, you got to have some jiu-jitsu. Because if you have zero jiu-jitsu and you're going into the fight, you're going to get beat. Styles like jiu-jitsu need a lot of time. So if your foundation is jiu-jitsu, because how was jiu-jitsu developed in Valley Tudo? The Brazilians had no time limit. When they were fighting in Brazil... It was a two-hour fight, a three-hour fight. So what? You took me down. You held me down for three minutes. Nobody cares in Brazil. In right. Valley Tudo, nobody cares. The fight will go on until somebody taps. Mm -hmm. So takedowns were not as important. 
The fight's going to last three, four hours if it has to. It'll last, whatever it is. Why wrestling is being so successful in MMA? One, it's a great sport for sure. But it's, it's time sensitive. If I take you down in the middle of the round, you got two and a half minutes to sub me or get back up to your feet. All I got to do is hold you down. And I won the round. I have to do minimal work. Now I'm down. I'm up around. You're down around. You you gotta get. You gotta come after me now. So it, it, there's a time sensitive issue. However, if I take you down and there's no time limit, I'm gonna behave very differently than if if I know I can bank in this round. If there's just two minutes left, I'm gonna spend that energy to hold you down. I'm gonna spend that energy to kind of like shut you down and kind of like give you little punches. They're not fight enders, but they're round winning. Mm. So because we have these rules. That's why I loved Pride. It was a 10-minute round. Grappling needs more breathing room. It needs more time for it yes. to work. Yes. Like, you look at Usman versus uh, Damian Maya. In round one, Damian Maya had a partial back take against the fence. And Usman was, like, almost giving his back. He like, got fucked by the referee. The referee, the state should never interfere. It's not a real fight. You got out of my controls because of the state, because of the referee, because of the, the whistle, because of the bell, whatever it is. We have to start in this position again. If, if I take you down on the ground and the bell rings, I should start again on the ground. There should be some basic positions that the referee's going to choose. We're starting in this position because that was the closest to what you guys had when we, when we ended the fight. I like that. Yeah. I like that. How many fights would change? How much behavior would change? Fighters would train, train differently, fight differently, or make it one 15-minute round. I like that too. That's, that, now you're going to see jiu-jitsu. You know what else I like? No cage. No cage? No cage. What's it going to be? How come they can play basketball on a giant court? <laughs> How about? That's a big place to it play is. basketball. It is. But, okay, because you think there should be no, no interference with the fence. How about a football field? Put them in the middle. <laughs> what are the odds they're ever going to get to the edges? But, okay, let's say we're to get into a fight okay. right here. Well, there's a lot of shit in here. Exactly. But, the, but this is a, this is an unnatural environment. What if we get sure, in a fight in an elevator? Sure. You can't, Should every yeah, fight take place yeah. in an elevator? Why Wonder can't you Boy protect yourself? Wonderboy would never yourself? be able to move his, use his moves. <laughs> you should be able to protect yourself in any environment. So you I'd can't say, throw a wheel kick in an elevator. No, we can't. But, but a wheel kick's a valid move. Yeah, absolutely. But how about this? We don't know if it's going to be a cage, an office, <laughs> a, a, a podcast, <laughs> an elevator. You, sh you find that on fight night. That you would find be that crazy. on fight night. Be ready. That would be crazy. <laughs> it's just they roll the dice before the show. Exactly. A giant wheel, maybe. Yeah, right, yeah, like a wheel. <laughs> it's, it's like five or six different things with the wheel. Exactly. It could be anything. Football field, basketball yeah, court, exactly. cage, ring. You don't know. Yeah. Do you remember um, they, they did, uh, I think... Well, World Combat Club or World Combat League, where Wonder Boy came up, Chuck Norris, yeah. they had like a ramp. Bowl. Yeah, like a bowl. bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you would fight on that. So they knew when they got to the elevated edges. But at least you could move. You're not restricted. But of course, there was no grappling in that. It was just straight mm. kick. That was kickboxing PKA style, right? Like above the waist, wasn't it? Or did I know, they, they were like kicks. They were like kicks. And knee. But they wore pants, right? Pants? Yeah. And you're allowed to knee, but not allowed to clinch. Oh, that's, look at this. Yeah, this is beautiful. This oh, Wonderboy was a master at this, too. It's so interesting to, seeing it in that bowl. But look. When you see it like that, there's no um, there's no restriction as far as like there's a there's no boundary to push up against. This is Wonder Boy in his actual kickboxing style. Mm -hmm. He was so good at like leaning away mm -hmm. and then firing back, and then also that right high kick that he would throw over the shoulder where you didn't oh. see it coming until it was too late. Moneymaker. Yeah, boy, that's a slippery ass floor but they're fighting on. Without the cage, we won't have cage techniques anymore. That's true. That's true, but I feel like there's a lot of wrestling that gets done against the cage mm -hmm. that's sort of assisted. 
It's mm-hmm. assisted wrestling, assisted takedowns, and even takedown defense, right? It's if you're in the middle of the cage and you get up, that you earn that. That's legit. But if you're up against the cage, you can kind of press your back up against the cage. You can wall walk. You can get back to your feet. It's an added element. There is that sneaky right high kick, mm-hmm. man. But this, you know, I don't know if this would work with takedowns because, of course, someone would fire up and uh, mm-hmm. keep driving over the top. The takes, takedowns change everything. Yeah, they do. They take down. They the takedowns change everything. Um, so do elbows and the mm-hmm. clinch. So mm-hmm. do head headbutts. Mm-hmm. Headbutts change everything too. You yeah. know, I had David Leduc in here from Letway. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you watch yeah. his fights. Yeah. You watch, watch some of those Letway fights. You realize like that's legit, man. <laughs> Rory once he was like uh, he was beti- between contracts and he's like, book me a fight at Letway. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like why do you want to fight Letway? He's like, because now's the time, or else I'll never get to fight with headbutts before I resign. He wanted me to take him down to the jungles of uh, oh, Letway Jesus, and Myanmar. book him a fight for ten dollars <laughs> against some guy we don't know. No medical test, uh, you know. That's you're the hilarious. foreigner. Uh, they want to, you know, like it's just he's nuts. I was like, no, that's a really bad idea. He's like, come on, I'll never get to fight with headbutts or else. I'm like, okay, I hope you never fight with headbutts. <laughs> I hope the day never comes. Well, I mean, you remember the old days. Like, yes. Like Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman used to take guys down mm-hmm. and smash their face with his head. Mm-hmm. He would hold on to their biceps and boom, headbutt you and punch you in the face. I mean, a very dangerous attack. Woo! Killer. Especially from a giant dude like that. Very, oh, very dangerous. Yeah. Did it's it's also effective. I mean, the the argument is look, if you can punch me in the head, why can't I use my head to hit you? Right? If you can kick me in the head, it, what is so much more dangerous about me using my forehead to hit you with? Long-term, long-term uh, repercussion, don't you think? I don't know. Would it increase the level of concussions or decrease the level of concussion? It's <sighs> a good question. Because for me, that's the major sin of our sport. The concussion. The concussion. I wish yeah. we could take that away. If we could take that away, uh, I think it would be better because these, oh, these fighters sure. would be healthier long-term. I'm, I'm hoping that medical science somehow steps in and comes up with a solution that's legitimate, similar to solution to, for repairing ligaments. Right, like if you have, uh, we're not going to outlaw heel hooks, right? Mm. They're 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 a real legitimate part of the game. But if you get someone in an inverted heel hook, and you crank on that fucker, you might rip that that guy's knee apart. So that guy might have to go and get everything replaced and get you know cadaver ligaments and a fake ACL and all that jazz. We're not going to stop that though. It's a legitimate technique. The sidekick to the knee that we see a lot of guys use on the upper thigh where it hyperextends the knee. There's going to be someone who gets their knee blown out. I'm sure it's happened in other organizations. I don't think we've had it in the UFC. If they have, I haven't heard about uh, it. Whitaker, no? He, uh, did he hurt his knee? In, uh, no, he no, definitely no. hurt it, but I don't yeah, know no, he didn't if, pop he it get, if it blew out. Mm. And then he went and did it in mm-hmm. the rematch yes. with Yoel like right, right away. And also, um, uh, Jorge Masvidal did that to Wonderboy. Oh, no, Darren Till did it to Wonderboy. Oh, yes, 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 that's true. Same that's thing, true, that's that's, true. that sidekick to the thigh. Um, so if there was a way that they could repair brain damage, the same way they could repair ligament damage, mm. I'd be so happy. You know I mean? Some Definitely. IV, stem cell, mm-hmm. you know, some, some way. I mean, they're experimenting with things, and mm. I know they're having some positive effects, but, you know, nothing is like, hey, you tore this, go to the doctor, he'll fix that. You know, mm. we're not there yet. Because the thing is, like with with the headbutts, the fighters are going to go and train headbutts after. Right. They're going to be hitting the bag. They're going to be doing all this thing. And what is, what is the training going to do to their head? Well, have you seen what uh, Laduka does? No. He does headbutts on the pads. 
So he'll do like a combination on the pad and then a headbutt. <laughs> It seems know. okay. Uh, yeah, but let's see when he's 50. <laughs> well, he's only like 28. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, Give him yeah. a call when he's 50. Yeah. Let's see. You know, like well, He won't even know what a phone is. <laughs> What's that noise? <laughs> um, I think health first. Health first. For yeah. sure, we're, take, we're not living in a bubble. People always tell me, like some, some guy wrote me an email recently, like tell me he was in tears. He's trying to stop his kids from doing MMA. And uh, to give him something to convince them not to do MMA because, uh, you know, there was the, the boxer had died. And uh, you know what? The thing is, we don't want to live in a bubble. I don't want to live in a bubble. I, everything I do, I take a risk in life. I calculate, is this, is this, is this, look, I'm petrified of airplanes. I'm petrified. But when I take a flight, I'm like, is this an acceptable risk in my life? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's safe. It's just psychological. I'm, I'm being irrational here. And I get on that, on that flight. Statistically, is MMA safe? It is. People don't die in MMA. It's like in any sport, people will die. Like if you look at football, there's going to be deaths. If you look at running, there's going to be deaths. There's death everywhere. However, it's a safe. Statistically, it's safe. They take every measure, and the referee is there. They do a medical test before, after. I mean, it's as safe as it can be. And look what it gives us. It gives us proof of what real martial arts is. Because before MMA, we didn't know what fighting was. Like we had many theories, but it's not what we have today. And if you look at what we we're doing before UFC. It was totally different. Yeah, it's crazy what happened in 26 years. Yeah. 26 years, the world has just been flipped on its head. Mm -hmm. I've said many times that we have had more advancement and innovation and more growth in martial arts over mm -hmm. the last 26 years than we have over the last 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. And that's a fact. There's no getting around that. It's yeah. just an instantaneous burst mm -hmm. of knowledge and understanding of what works and what doesn't work. And the Gracie family is a huge part of that. Gigantic. Gigantic. Huge. It probably, no, not probably, the most important family in the history of martial arts. I agree. Yeah. I, mean, there's no, I don't even think there's a close second. Most influential. Yes. Maybe most influential. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Influential. Yes. Uh, definitely. Which uh, reminds me of Crone Gracie's fight. What did you think of that against Cub Swanson? Um, well, it's a big jump up. You know, yes. Cub Swanson, massive amount of experience. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. against elite world-class competition, yeah. you know, yeah. fought Jose Aldo back in mm -hmm. the WEC days. Mm -hmm. I mean, Cub Swanson is a stud. He's yeah. been there, done that. He could be champion. Yes. Like, he could be champion. Yes, he yeah. could be champion. And yeah. he's also a legitimate black belt in jiu-jitsu, too. So mm -hmm. he's not, not easy to submit. Mm -hmm. And for Crone to go from Alex Caceres right into yeah. Cub Swanson, that's a yeah. giant leap. And look, Crone's jiu-jitsu is... Top of the food chain. I mean, he is an absolute yeah. legitimate world champion caliber jujitsu talent from the best DNA the world's ever known, right? He's yeah. the fucking son of the king. Right? Now, can I ask you a very tough question? Please. If there was no time limit, Cap Swanson versus Crone, who wins? I saw I, no I, evidence. I, wish, that, I wish we could watch round three. I saw no evidence that Crone uh, was taking Cub down. No, the takedowns were not going to come just yet. I think it would take a while. Yeah, but, but do you think Crone was going to was going to go away? No, I don't he think wasn't going go away. He's an animal. He's he's got a heart of a lion. He's got a heart of a lion. It takes takes a tremendous shot, both <laughs> to the face and to the body. No fear. No fear. No, no fear. fear. No fear. Real warrior. If there was no time limit, I'm telling you, I don't know who wins that fight. Yeah, I mean, he won a decision, right? You could always use that argument if someone wins a decision. And Crone never stopped coming, right? No, he didn't even look like he was, he right. was remotely going to start thinking of slowing down. But, I mean, there's the other question is, how much does he endure if that fight goes 30 rounds? I mean, how many more shots to the head does he take and does eventually his brain give out? <laughs> I don't know. That's I the question. Know. I mean, maybe question. he catches Cub. I mean, mm -hmm. he can punch. 
Yeah. I mean, that was the, one yeah. of the reasons why it was so competitive and interesting. Mm. Basically, it was a kickboxing fight, right? Mm-hmm. And in that kickboxing fight, the jiu-jitsu master landed good shots. I mean, Cub's face was cut up at the end of the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it's not up. like he was untouched. Mm. So I think, I mean, I think what a guy like Crone needs is a guy like you. I mean, that's what he needs. I would love to work with Crone. I mean, that's what he needs. I don't know who, I know, I know he does a lot of work with the Diaz brothers. I know he does a lot. He has his own gym. Mm. He has a very successful jiu-jitsu school of his own. But I think a guy like that needs to just put together the overall game so that mm-hmm. you could see the best expression of his jiu-jitsu, which is, which is ultimately going to be his strength. But it's, it, it, I think that has to be expressed in a, a more confusing and harder-to-solve puzzle. And so right now, here's the puzzle. Walk towards you, mm-hmm. throw punches. Once I get you, I'm going to strangle you. Mm. But, but if I don't get you, maybe I don't strangle you. And a guy like Cub knows he's coming. So he, the thing about a guy who comes forward all the time is it's so much easier to counter than it is to attack. It right? is. It's way easier. That's Anderson Silva's whole game. You remember the, the fights where Anderson Silva had boring fights? Like mm. Talos Leites. The guy's not coming forward. Yeah, hung back. Yeah, mm-hmm. the guys who just hang back. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Patrick Cote, same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. hung back, hung when back. When you're fighting a counterpuncher, yeah. don't, don't give him yeah. anything to counter. Just hang back. Yeah. Yeah, make him attack. I remember when you had Hickson on your podcast. And you had asked him, like, what do you do if you can't take a guy down? And he was telling you, I pull guard. Yes. But then he was telling you also, when I pull guard, I have to open the guard. And it was like, okay, well, the guy will just back out of your guard. Yes. If you, if you pull guard on me and you keep your guard closed, well, okay, we're on the ground. If you open your guard, I can just get up. Yeah. And it seemed like, and then you were like, okay, if he gets up, well, I got to pull guard again. But it was like a circular type of strategy. We don't do you know me- with Hickson, right? Because we never did see him against the cream of the crop mm. you know funaki was the best fighter he mm-hmm, fought mm-hmm. and funaki was arguably towards the end of his career when he fought hickson and you know he did some damage broke hickson's orbital remember he had that really fucked up swelling did he hurt, yeah did he, he, hurt he hurt him yeah his eye was that. all fucked up really? and swollen after that fight i have to go rewatch it and uh he also fucked hickson's knee up or he did hickson fuck his knee up Oh, no, no, no. He, Hickson fucked his knee. I'm sorry. He was standing up over Hickson, and Hickson kicked his knee. Like, mm. he extended his knee when, when Hickson was on his back. But, um, no, at the end of the fight, Hickson's like, so go to uh, Coliseum 2000, Hickson Gracie. 2000. I had, a, uh, I had the honor of going to Hickson's house one night. I, really? I had dinner with him, and Crone, Crone was a young kid, man. He was like mm. 15, 16 years old. And then we went to Hickson's house, and then we watched fights. And Hickson was uh, breaking down fights, mm. breaking down what other guys were doing wrong, mm. breaking down space. Like he hated space. Like mm-hmm. when jujitsu guys got people on the ground, mm-hmm. and you know he was just talking about various positions and, and different things that were happening in the fights. And then we watched that fight. We watched a Funaki fight, which mm. was that was his final fight. So this was Hickson, basically, you know, in his prime and. Back then, I mean, he was muscular too, man. Hickson was oh. a, a big guy back then, well over two hundred pounds. Was he two hundred pounds? Yeah, he was about two hundred pounds, like, but solid as a rock, man. And His physique's incredible. Yeah, and he fought. I mean, Funaki was a real world class fighter. Mm-hmm. This was probably the guy who was the most dangerous guy that he fought. I mean, when he fought in Japan, Valley Tudo. Those guys just really had nothing for him. That one guy mm. got him in a guillotine, remember, and held mm-hmm, on to him mm-hmm, for a long mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. but he eventually got out of it and submitted yeah. him. That guy was a Japanese pro wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. But but that's what they had also at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like well, Takada. Like, 
Takara, yeah. Yeah, I remember he was the, yeah. the first the first pride people forget was Hicks and Gracie. Mm-hmm. Hicks and Gracie fought Takata in the first pride. So eventually this fight goes to the ground. Scoot ahead real quick. Eventually this fight goes to the ground and Funaki landed a big shot on see Hickson's eye was all fucked up. You could see it well, I don't know if you could see it there. No, you gotta see it after the fight. After the fight he gets him on the ground and he reverses position. And then he, he eventually chokes him completely to sleep. Back yeah, up a little with bit. His eyes open. It was pretty radical. Yeah. So here he is. He gets. Mm-hmm. See if he can see right before this. Go right before this, Jamie. Right before this. So you can see the setup. See, so he's punching him. He's gift wrapped in him. He's mm-hmm. got his hand wrapped across his neck, punching him in the face. So he's got Funaki's hand across his own face, and he's punching him in the face. And then Funaki's forced to try to move to uh, better his position, and Hickson eventually sneaks his body behind him. He's using his left knee and sliding, and now he turns him, and he gets his back. Shitty camera work there. They should have showed that transition, Mm -hmm. but he got his back, and then when he chokes him out, Funaki's eyes are wide open, and he's completely asleep, and Hickson gets off of him and kicks him aside. (laughs) It's so nasty. Look, he gets him, and and look, Funaki kind of knew he was getting put to sleep, too, Mm. so he's out cold, and Hickson just climbs off and kicks him off. Get off me. Get off me, bitch. But you see his eye, like when they uh, close, if you see if, if there's a close-up on him, mm-hmm. Hickson's eye, like after the fight, okay, yeah, Hickson, not not Funaki, after the fight, his eye was pretty fucked up. Right there, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, there you there see, it. It. see oh, it. I don't remember that. Though. Yeah, his left eye was completely swollen. What did he get hit with? I don't remember him getting hit. Punch. Really. It was a punch? I believe so. Yeah, I, I believe he got hit with a big punch from Funaki. You know, Hickson was never a guy who was trying to kickbox you. you know? No. He wasn't trying to do what his son no. did at all. Hickson was always just trying to yeah. figure out a way to be defensive, just mm-hmm. enough to impose his game and get you on the ground. All the black belts that ever work with Hickson, they always say the same thing. We got killed. Yeah, like world champion black belts. I go train yeah. with him. They go roll with him. Like, oh, he killed us all. He yeah. killed us all. There was, uh, you know, like 20 years ago, the Gracies used to get together like once every year, every two years to train. And Eric Paulson was invited, and he said in an article, I remember reading this article when I was really young, he was saying that, look, uh, we don't say what happens in that practice. Obviously, it's a family thing, so I was, I'm not going to be saying what happens. But one thing I can tell you all, nobody came near Hickson. Like, nobody could touch Hickson. Hickson was the you know, head and shoulders above everybody. And the reason why they could say that is because everybody admits to it, and it's like an yeah. open secret. You know, everybody knows Hickson's way better than everybody else. And uh, just hearing those stories growing up, and you're like, man, this guy, how good is he? You know, can we see him actually fight? You know, and then you have these clips where look, it's it's one sided, but that was a different time and place. But uh, then again, that's if he was training today, he would probably be kickboxing too. Yes, he'd I'm be, sure. He, I think he'd be crazy not to. I'm sure. Yeah. But then also, he wouldn't. I mean, he hadn't had any fights in a cage. No, all of his fights were in the ring. In the no ring, cage. there's there's a lot more you can do in terms of movement. You can slide through the ropes a little to avoid things. It's also harder to take someone down. There's a lot of weird things that happen inside of a ring. That you could argue that a ring is better for the view because you could see straight through to the fighters, but it's also more dangerous because you mm. can fall through the ring. You mm-hmm. know the ropes. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, even in boxing, you occasionally see that. Where Bernard Hopkins' last fight, when he fought Joe Smith, he got KO'd by f- going through the oh, rope, yeah, but he fell and hit his head. Oh, my God. He fell, like, right on his fucking head on the concrete oh. floor at, like, 50 years old, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, no, no rings can weird. Be, yes. There's one guy who died in Thailand many years ago. He ran forward charging, and he did a kick, went over the guy's head, flew out of the ring, hit the table, and died. 
Oh, Jesus That's Christ. why in Thailand now, you're not allowed to run anymore. If I catch a kick, I'm allowed one step forward, not three steps charging across the, the ring like they used to. Before you could run across the ring. So I catch your leg, I run across the ring, flying elbow, flying knee, whatever I want. Wow. Now it's like uh, you're allowed one or three steps. I can't remember. So what. it's like traveling in basketball. Yeah, you, you can't just charge through because the ring can't contain. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. You well, can fly right through the ropes. I like what Bellator did. What Bellator did for their kickboxing events when they had kickboxing and MMA mm -hmm. in the same weekend, they put the kickboxing ring inside mm -hmm. that gigantic circular pad. Mm -hmm. So even if you fell through the ropes, you just landed on the outside pad, which mm -hmm. is so much superior. Mm -hmm. It's so much better. I just, uh, yeah. I feel like we haven't really found the perfect fighting surface. No. I like our idea. The podcast, the elevator, I like the football that. field. You don't know. We spin a wheel. Spin it might be wheel. in a moat. Spin a wheel Now a we know idea. if you really can adapt to anything. Yeah, that's a great idea, right? You take a guy who's like a Mighty Mouse guy. who's like a phenomenal mover. <laughs> and now he's got to fight an elevator. Yeah, exactly. Now it happens. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no, I mean, there's no, there's no, I don't. I see, like, I see fights that happen uh, overseas in with like one FC allows fights in a cage, but with soccer kicks. Mm. And the argument against that, I think, would be that you can't get your head out of the way. Like, if you're trapped up against the cage, like at least in in Pride or in K1 when they had fought in a ring, if you're on the ground, you can move your head through the mm -hmm, ropes. Mm -hmm, you can, mm -hmm, you've, you've got mm -hmm. a little bit of motion, but if your head is stuck. And someone soccer kicks you or stomps you. It's too dangerous, in my opinion. I think that's one one maneuver. I, I know. And look, we got to draw a line somewhere. You know, we have to decide what's what. Like, what are we gonna do next? Poke each other in the eye? Did you ever see Roger Huerta's KO in when he got knocked out in uh, one FC? It was brutal, man. He fought this I, really I big guy from Brazil. He was fighting at 170. You know, Roger fought at 155. In yeah, the yeah, UFC. I trained Roger for a little bit. Not yeah. not the biggest guy in the world. No. And he fought this guy who was much, much mm. bigger than him. And he got caught. He got hurt. And then when he went down, the guy soccer kicked him. Oh. And not just a soccer kick. A soccer kick where he hits him. In the, he's already hurt. He hits him in the neck. And his head, his whole body moves from the <sighs> kick. Where it's just like full power to the head on the ground and there's something about soccer kicks it's just there's too much leverage there yes like if i ask you to break a baseball bat you can do it if i hold it low right if i hold it high you better be an incredible kicker because right. you don't have as much leverage now mm -hmm. yeah so if somebody falls down and i kick him in the head as he's down i could really put him out like i, yeah. I make a i could send him to the morgue even yeah. so i think it's one Technique we have to be very careful about. Yeah, because I think a wheel kick has more power, but it's mm. so hard to land. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas a soccer kick is going to happen often. Yes. I remember watching Vanderlei, his first fight with, with Benson Henderson. Uh, not Benson, uh, Dan Henderson, excuse me. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like that was just almost a murder. <laughs> like, you see that fight? Like, right, he was right, stomping right. on yeah. him to soccer. I was yeah. like, my goodness, what are they going to do to stop this, stop this fight? <laughs> well, that was the old days, man. Mm, the pride. old days of pride. Mm. Were and that was Vanderlei with like one eye completely swollen shut. Mm -hmm, Remember mm -hmm. that? I mean, mm. any reasonable organization would have stopped that fight. <laughs> They would have looked at his eye like, you can't see a goddamn thing out of that eye. They're too eye. scared of it to stop the fight. Oh, well, Vandal that was Vanderlei when he was Vanderlei, mm. you know? I mean, you want to talk about a guy whose face, just from sheer impacts, made a tr his face changed, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. radically. Mm -hmm. Like it flattened out. Mm -hmm. Everything flattened. His nose flattened. Did you pull it up? Would you find the fight? Yeah, here it is. Boom. Show that again. Watch oh. this. So he's already hurt. Watch this. Boom. Oy. 
I mean, that, that is horrific. I didn't see this one. Oh, it's horrific, man. And he was he was hurt before that. He was mm, getting he beat was. up. He was getting beat up and kneed and punched. And look how much bigger that dude is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's like really on Queer Street before he even goes to the ground. He gets ragdolled to the ground. And then look at this. Boom. I mean, horrific. Horrific. Yeah, tough. Tough, uh, well, I mean, Brandon Vera's won fights like that in um, one as a heavyweight with soccer kicks too, which is even more scary. He looked at the ref before kicking him. Yeah, like, because they give you a clear or not clear. Mm. Because apparently sometimes you can head kick a guy on the ground, soccer kick him. Sometimes you can't. Oh, yeah. Well, that so, should have been a yeah. no goal. I would. Um, I would have. He should have stopped that fight. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he was just so badly hurt. It's happening so fast. It's so hard to tell too, because you got guys like Frankie Edgar when he fought Gray Maynard. He's mm. like, look, looks like he's out on the I first he, round, and then he comes back and wins the fight. Yeah, yeah. If it's a title fight, I understand they let it go a little further because mm-hmm. that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yes. But if there's no title on the line, which I, I think that fight there wasn't, right? I would have stopped it after he fell down, like looking drunk, you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, also you got to take into consideration the size difference. The fact that one guy's just pummeling him, and he's almost too tough for his own good. Mm-hmm. And Roger's not going to quit. He's just mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. going to go out in a shield. Mm. But yeah, so soccer kicks—that's a—that's a tough one, right? Yeah. What about soccer kicks in a football field? No, still no. <laughs> and we're still, rolling the that, wheel in that situation. If you're rolling the wheel, like in that situation, really, it doesn't matter if that's a ring or a cage. That's just a soccer kick, and mm. that's a horrific no, yeah. technique. They're all dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. That that can end your life. Yeah, exactly. That's why I me. Mean, I would draw the line there. Like, yeah. I, I would. I would. I want. I want us to find a balance of rules that take away concussions as much as possible because some guys are too tough for their own good, and then they're gonna go out there and practice it. Right. So they're gonna be like, "Oh, we should soccer kick each other in practice." It's not just that fight night. You know, they're gonna do it in practice. Right. Of course. Yeah. Well, wheel kicks. I mean, I remember in Taekwondo training, guy, even guys would try to pull a kick. Mm, They'd walk still. into that and you'd accidentally hit them, mm-hmm. and people would go to sleep. And but all the time, it's just there's too much power in the leg. There's too much weight, too much, and the leverage of a. You remember when Edson Barboza fought Terry Edom? Yeah, which was the first ever wheel kick KO. Was it the first one? Yes, yes, yes. First ever KO yeah. in Brazil. Yeah, and uh, he connected with that wheel kick, and Terry went stiff like <laughs> someone just pulled the power cord. Yeah. and just fell back. Yeah, and uh, it was a crazy fight because like Terry really didn't have anything for him. And, mm. I, and I was just saying that he's going to have to risk getting knocked out mm-hmm. in order to do something. He's going to have to. And right when I said risk getting knocked out, whack, he landed that crazy wheel kick. But that's one of those kicks where you go, okay, should that even be legal? Of course, I think it should be legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it. You know, I, I, it's it's a beautiful technique. But, man, that's a horrible thing to get hit with. Mm. It's just hard to do. It's probably, I mean, it's among the most powerful kicks in the game. Mm-hmm. Like there's no for doubt. sure, for sure. But it's not easy to execute. That's why most people don't do it. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys that can throw it with the kind of speed and precision mm-hmm. that also have real MMA skills. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Wonderboy being one of the examples. Mm-hmm. One of the. I mean, remember when he fought uh, Jake Ellenberger and he hit him mm-hmm. with a wheel kick, and that was a crazy fight because Ellenberger was talking shit, saying that those things don't work. All oh, that spinning boy. stuff doesn't work. And then, of course, that's what he hit him with. It can work if you know how to stay standing. What's well, also like. It's say whatever you want. 
that's Wonder Boy. Okay, that's a that's not a regular dude you're no. fighting. You might say spinning shit doesn't work. Well, if it's you know Mike McFuckstick from <laughs> you know Chicago who's never really taken martial arts classes yeah. like that and doesn't really doesn't have a background in karate. Yeah, but Wonder Boy can do some wild shit with his legs. Mm. He's not 67 and 0 in kickboxing for nothing. <laughs> they didn't give him record. those 67 wins. That's a they weren't they weren't record. bought. They weren't purchased. Yeah, you know, he had you to could go watch out. them. Yeah. You could watch the fights. They're exactly. online. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. sometimes guys say things like that just to pump themselves up because they're of course. they're scared, they're worried, they're you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that we're starting to see the level of female MMA really elevate now. Mm -hmm. And like uh of course Amanda, you know, Amanda Nunes who fights she fights in December, mm -hmm. right? Durandamy. She's fighting, which is a really good fight, man, that a lot of people aren't talking about. Mm -hmm. Jermaine Durandamy is a beast. Mm -hmm. She's really good, man. Super, super technical. Mm -hmm. You know, she beat a man. She beat she a man. She fought a man, right? Yeah, yeah she, she did fight a man. Him. Yeah. She yeah. fought a guy and beat him. I think she stopped him. I think she yeah. KO'd him. Wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't surprise me either, man. She's super, super technical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Amanda and Valentina Shevchenko, they represent the highest level right mm. now. And and Weili Zhang, right? As you say, yes. Zhang Weili. After Is she, I mean, when she won the title like that, I was like, holy shit. Like, that's another one. I mean, and that woman being from China, <laughs> where martial arts is so gigantic over there and representing like that. Woo! She must be a megastar there now. Oh, my God. She must be a megastar. Oh, my God. And to win that way with such a spectacular knockout like that. Wow. Yeah. And, and there's a shortage of women. And not only is there a shortage of women, she's a champion, world champion. I know, in right? UFC. And she knocks people out. She's got to be like ultra star there. Oh, she's got to be gigantic too. Yeah. Just gigantic. Huge star. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, as the UFC is making its way through China to have someone like that as their champion. <sighs> oh my God. I heard they build a PI there three times bigger than the one in, in uh, Vegas. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it, but. Uh, I've seen it online. I, yeah. I, the only one I've seen in person is the one here, mm. but fuck. <laughs> The one of the, it's so impressive, the one in Vegas. All the different state-of-the-art techniques mm. for recovery and even those little pods you take naps in. Uh, that I haven't seen, have I? Oh, if I lived in Vegas, man, that would be the spot. Mm. You know, if you're a fighter and you were living in Vegas, that's the spot to train. Yeah, yeah. I've been there a few times. They're, they're, they're really good. Yeah. Um, listen, man, Kevin Lee, coming up to you, worked out. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. My pleasure. I appreciate it. I knew it. You set us up together. I knew I it, though. When yeah. I was talking to him, I knew he was like a little bit lost and trying to figure out his yeah. way. And I said, man, you need a head coach. And I'm uh, like, who fights like you? George. Hmm. George St. Pierre. Yeah. I mean, not saying he's the same level as George, but it's George fights like that with wrestling and great striking and submissions. He mixes it all up. He's unpredictable in his attacks. I'm like, they're very similar. Mm. They're, neither one of them are particularly long. Both guys are very physically strong. I'm like, come on, man! Like this, this is the guy. He he has a great training team already. He doesn't have somebody kind of put it all together. Yes. And you know, we're talking about styles and level. He's he's a bit of a like his personality. He's a wildcat. Like he's a, he's a, you know he's a he's a he's a commando. And me, I'm the opposite. I'm like calculated. I'm a scalpel. Yeah. He's a chainsaw. I'm a scalpel. Together, it makes a great a blend. Because yes. you need you need both a little bit of discipline, a little bit of wildness. Yes, yeah. There's a time and place for both. Yes. So like his last fight, I was happy he stayed disciplined. Very so. Very, very much so. Very much so. And he could become world champion if he's disciplined. Because George was very disciplined. Yes. He didn't veer off the the game plan at all. 
And he, he got the job done. I mean, that KO's. Like, I also told him all that shit that he does where he's getting, moving up to the cage and he's dancing around and going crazy. I'm like, abandon that <laughs> shit. I go, come out like a fucking samurai, man. Yeah. You got some serious work yeah. to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. that stuff is complicating yeah, your yeah, mind. Because yeah, yeah. then you have to think, oh, well, all I did, if I c- if lose right now, I'm going to look stupid with all that mm-hmm, dancing mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and just all this pretending that you're not feeling the f- the feeling mm. that you're feeling right now you're feeling this incredible moment because mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. six months of preparation getting ready for this one moment here it is embrace what that is go zen man mm-hmm. be, be empty and he was like that the whole training camp like he was very focused for this one you could tell yes and yeah. I, I was really happy because i like guys who come in the gym and work they don't skip practice and like if guys sh- tell me oh, I'm 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 not in today for whatever reason, I let them. Okay, you don't want to be in. You don't want to be in. Like I'll I'll tell them. Look, I think you should be in, but you don't want to come in. What can I do? Right. But he was very disciplined. He came to all the practices, and it worked out beautifully. Like exactly. How, how old is he now? Uh, maybe late twenties. No, I'm not even sure. I think he, I want to say he's twenty six. Mid twenties. How old is Kevin 20s. Lee? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. What's his yeah. birthday? September. Okay, so right. he just turned 27. Yeah. Yeah. He's fucking not even in his prime, mm. you know? And he's yeah. also experienced failure mm-hmm. and experienced fights where he didn't live up his, to his potential. And mm. I think that ultimately will be a motivating force mm-hmm. because we see what he can do when he's really focused. That Gregor Gillespie is a dangerous <laughs> fight, man. Pe- you know, I mean, people see that spectacular head kick knockout and they don't understand how good Gregor Gillespie is. That kid is a savage. And so when I found out that Kevin was going to fight Gregor in his fight back to 155. Not a good comeback fight. Dangerous comeback fight. Yeah, very high risk. Very high risk. And also getting down to 155. What did you guys do differently to get him down to 155 easily this time? Um, We kind of put our heads together. You know, uh, Dewey Cooper, his trainer, is really great. Fantastic kickboxer. Amazing. Amazing. I love working with him. Brilliant guy. His brother, Keith, we kind of like got our heads together and we're like, look, we got to keep losing weight at this rate no matter what it takes. And um, if, he, if he protests, like, you know, if he wants to, like, ease up, we'll listen to it, but we, he's got he's to gotta bite the bullet at one point. Like, we can't go fall behind this rate of losing weight. We have to lose on a pound an hour. Every hour, we have to lose one pound. And, uh, like, at a certain point, now, now it's a pound an hour. You're talking about for the weight cut? Weight cut, yeah, weight cut. Right, but what is he coming in at? Like, what is, like, when, uh, he, when he, the week of the fight on Monday morning, what is he weighing in at? You got it on your phone? Yeah, I have it here. So he looked a little smaller, but healthy. He yes, didn't, didn't look sucked in. He didn't look like he depleted himself. Did he do anything different in terms of like weightlifting or running, um, well, extra running? I wouldn't lift weights if I was him. I, I don't want him to lift any weights because he's naturally like I, I like I like bulking and then cutting. Mm-hmm. I don't like cutting, cutting, cutting. But when he came to me, it was six weeks before, so we were in a cutting phase. Like I don't want him to bulk up because in six weeks you can't bulk and then cut. He was, he's already very naturally muscular. He's very naturally strong, naturally already. So I had him doing road work, road work. Not too much plyometric, not like a little bit, but I don't want to put any size on him because he's got enough size. Right. So first thing is evaluation. Does he need muscle? No, he's f- plenty of muscle. Right. Does he need power? Plenty of power. We need to, we need to create endurance and discipline in him. That's why I think it was making the big difference and some technical issues. And uh, we cut the 24 hours before, he was 174. Mm. 174. So 20 pounds. That's a lot. It's a lot. So there was a point where we had to hit 
after losing a preliminary weight, we have to hit one pound an hour. And he was good about it. And actually, it wasn't that hard of a weight cut. He did it really well. We're very disciplined. I was with him uh, the last 48 hours, making sure he was doing everything, the last few steps really well. The rehydration process, I was with him the whole time. The what did he wake up at Friday morning? Friday morning, I'll tell you right now. It, it's, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay, so, uh, so one o'clock in the morning, it was 164. Ooh. One o'clock in the morning. Nine pounds to go. Five o'clock in the morning, he was 163. That's when we start. So I let him sleep for a couple hours, four hours. Four hours of sleep, wake up. So you woke him up at five. Yeah. The day of the weigh-ins. The day of the weigh-in. Wow. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Time to make weight. At 10 o'clock, he was 155. Oh, wow. So he went through from 5 a.m. all the way to 10. Yes. And what is he doing during that time? Uh, bath, 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 and then wrap him up in the towels, let him sweat in the towels. Jesus Christ. And then- No sauna? No, no sauna for this one. How come? Uh, some guys prefer bath. It's direct heat. What like do you it, like? I like both. I, I think I'll tell guys, if you're not used to the sauna, let's do bath. Like I always tell guys, before your fight, go once a week to the sauna, like six weeks out. Because sauna takes practice. Some people sit in the sauna for 45 minutes and it's nothing. Like they have sauna world championships. I don't know if you know that, but like in like Finland, they have the world championships of, of sauna. Like some people stay in there for hours. Like you you build a tolerance. Is it for time or for, for temperature? I think it's, yeah, no, it's time. Time. You know Laird Hamilton, the guy who makes this amazing coffee? La this one, the turmeric. Yeah. yeah I love it. Turmeric coffee no, I, is incredible. Laird is a world champion surfer. He's a stud. I mean, yeah? he's fucking Aquaman. He's an animal. But this guy gets in the sauna, cranks it up to 220 degrees, and rides an air bike. So he's got like one of those Airdyne bikes. Why? He's a surfer. he's a fucking animal, man. <laughs> he's wearing oven mitts because the, the bar is so hot oh. from being in the sauna, you can't grip it with your hands. So he's in there like on one of them rogue echo bikes, oh, and he's boy. just fucking burn it out. He's a, a maniac, man. But he does all kinds of crazy shit like, you know especially like hot sauna work and then jumping in the, what do you got jamie what's up the, this is the last not the last one but right. the most famous one they were at 230 degrees fahrenheit which is 110 celsius oh my god and at six minutes the i think the guy on the left in this picture passed out and ended up dying no he died yeah i cooked my steak at 110 celsius jesus holy shit it's incredible huh <laughs> Oh, no. oh my God! Yeah. Russian competitor dies oh, in God. sauna world championship. Yeah, fuck that. How long were they in there? Uh, six minutes or so, I think, is what it says. Six, six minutes? minutes. He lasted for six minutes, and they took him out. Oh, and so it's a temperature. Sixty-year-old, over sixty. Oh my God! No, Look dangerous. how red he is, ridiculous. Man. I cook my steak at one ten. No joke. This is inhuman. One ten Celsius is what Fahrenheit? Two thirty. Two thirty. Very dangerous. Yeah, I was doing two twenty. Yeah, he had me doing 220 for a little bit, but you know what? I felt like it was burning my lungs. I felt yeah, like it was burning the inside of yeah. my mouth. It was dry? Yeah, dry I felt terrible. I stopped doing it. <laughs> I stopped doing it. I did it a few times, but afterwards I'd lay down after I did it, and I was doing it for fucking like 15, 20 minutes too. Was what was the purpose? Smart. Me? I was just, I wanted to experiment. But what, why does he do it? 
I don't, he, dude. First of all, he's built different. Mm. The guy has an ankle that's uh, like three of these Yeti cooler uh, mugs because he broke it and just kept working out on it mm. after he broke it. So it's all calcified. He pulled it up, put it up on the table. It's like, what the fuck, man? He just broke his ankle and just kept working out and kept doing stuff on it. And then it, it just sort of fused together. And it's like, look at his ankle. Oh, look at that. Oh, my God. That's his ankle, man. And that's just from breaking and never wow. stopping to do anything with it. Yeah, it's wow. like it's like the root of a tree. It's real weird, man. Yeesh. He's a crazy person. But he's also, you know, like one of the greatest surfers that ever lived. And I think mm. sometimes you have to be that to be oh, yeah. that. They're all crazy. Yeah, everybody's the, the best of their game. They're all crazy. They're all crazy. Always, no matter what you do. They're all they're all they're all there's a touch of genius and there's a touch of madness. I say that madness and genius are next door neighbors and they borrow each other's sugar. <laughs> this is true. Because <laughs> it's like they're next true. door neighbors. It's almost yeah. you you have to be like literally fucking up almost every mm-hmm. other part of your life to mm-hmm. achieve real greatness. Yeah. Because you gotta abandon yeah. personal relationships, you gotta be totally unbalanced, yeah. completely obsessed and focused upon your goal. This is true. But the beautiful thing for a fighter is fighters can do that in camp and then break. Mm. And then take a little break. Not too Just much, though. Not too much. It's not too much space. <laughs> it's not too much space. How much time do you, like, after a fighter like Kevin wins, how much time do you recommend to just fuck off? I think two weeks is good. Two weeks of fucking but, off. Yeah, just go chill for two weeks. But I feel like everybody wants to take a month and six weeks. I think that's too much. Mm. There's too much to learn in MMA. There's too much. Right. You know, you know one position, that can win you the fight. So in that six weeks, how many positions did you did you miss out on that you don't know about? There's so many yeah. positions. There's so many scenarios to go over. Yeah. There's too much material to cover. You know, I know this is only his first victory back at 155 pounds, but he said something, and I believe him. He thinks he has the style to beat Khabib. Mm. He thinks Khabib's style, which is so wrestling heavy, but not really kick heavy, you know, and, and Kevin throws some nasty kicks. <sighs> He missed Gregor with a crazy head kick before he landed mm-hmm. the one that put him out. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoo! Mm-hmm. Like whizzing by mm-hmm. the top of his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speed, yeah. too. Speed, explosion. Yeah. It just needs to be, and he controlled the center beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he got hit. He stayed disciplined. He didn't freak out. Right. Uh, he didn't start brawling, you know? He just needs more. More, yeah, yeah, more yeah. of these sort of fights. More experience with a guy like you in his corner. More grooming. Is he going to move to Montreal or is he going to stay down in Vegas? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, actually. He told me he's going to be back in January. So we get I back told to him to move. Yeah, he should move for a while. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, first of all, yeah. Vegas, as great as it is, that nightlife is always like, <sighs> Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, come party. <laughs> like, you try to do That's the right true. thing. But in Montreal, it's different. First of all, that winter teaches you something mm. about life. Mm-hmm. That winter up there. Yeah. I yes. remember my first December in Montreal was like 1992. <laughs> I did the Montreal Comedy Festival. Yeah. And I was up there in the winter. I was like, oh. And I grew up in Boston. I thought I knew what a winter was. Oh. 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 It's something. The air. It, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts your lungs when you breathe it in. You realize you could die out here. You know, you only have a certain <laughs> amount of time to get to where you need to go. And if you're walking, 
Yeah. I think it was actually it was 93 now that I think about it. But uh, that you guys are a good solid 10 to 15 degrees colder than Boston. Mm. And I, I just thought that was just And ridiculous. we're near the water, too. Yes. So when it, the, the, the wind wet. chill. Yes. And it's the moisture, that cold air. Woo! The wind chill factor, that cold, wet air. Ah! But it's just, there's something also, I think, about cold weather people, like people that live in cold weather and they de- there's more resilience. I think it's a character builder. I, mm. I really do. I mean, I've often thought, I don't want to move to a cold weather area, but if I did, it'd probably be good for me. It, it's actually a beautiful winter. I find winter beautiful. Mm. Like, I don't know what it is about it, but there's a, it's a special time of the year. And then when summer comes, it's like summer's like the most incredible thing you've ever lived because you just went through winter yes so the summer is just like a it's right like here. every year you get hit with that we're like weather trust fund babies out yeah, here yeah we're just so used yes. to everything being perfect it's fine <laughs> if it rains at all we're like oh my god the world's <laughs> over it's raining yeah yeah, yeah no it, it, when you go through a brutal winter and then it, it breaks yeah. it's like it i don't know something. how to explain it it's I, don't better. Know, I don't know how to explain it yeah well it's a, the passing of the seasons is also symbolic of life the, the mm. cycle of life there's a real cycle to this and you mm-hmm. only have a certain number of those fall winter spring summer events i mean there's, only, there's not that many of them man you hear the howling wind of the freezing cold and you're yeah. in your you're in your home and you have to <laughs> it's like when I come home and I see my house buried in snow, yeah, I love it. I take pictures of it. On Do you? Yeah, because I don't know what it is about it, but when you get inside, it's like... I kind of miss it. I miss it now. Mm. Yeah, Denver, shout out to Denver. They're fucking frozen in right now. <laughs> all, the, all the highways are getting shut down right now as we speak. Giant storm just hit. Oh. Yeah, I think, I think it makes better people. I think it's, it also makes people that appreciate nature mm. because in California, we don't even know what the fuck nature is. Mm. We don't, I mean, you, you do, if you go outside, you're like, Oh, trees, <laughs> but we don't know the force of it, you know, yeah. because it's so, we're so immune to it out yeah. here, essentially. Uh, you're nothing to nature. Like yeah. you're, you're nothing. You're a speck of dust. You're, like, it'll, you're it doesn't dead. care. Yeah. <laughs> it'll freeze you out. Yeah. It's rough. Well, you've also, it's also that one another, another good choice about moving to Montreal is you've accumulated a culture up mm. there at TriStar. And mm. that, that's, that is as important to success as almost anything, is to be, go into an environment and feeling the, the culture of that environment and knowing like this is a place where real assassins go to train. This is a real world-class facility mm. with some of the best competitors on earth mm-hmm. are going to hone their edge. This yeah. is this is where they go. This is the place you check your ego at the door. Everybody's the same. It's all about improvement, excellence. There's only one question: What are we doing today? Is whatever's going to make us better? Period. There's no oh, this guy's in the practice room. We got to cater to his needs, and we got to move things around. No, 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 there's none of that. Like I've had some big stars come in, I, and I tell them, look, you, you can come in with your entourage, but you have to do it this way, and you have to come in and do the workout like this, and you have to be like everybody else. Oh, yes. If it's a no, you can't come in. That's it. Just don't come in. Like, I can't stop the world for a guy, you know, to massage his ego. Right. That's why I like Kevin, and he was very humble, and he works with everybody, and he's he's a great fit. He's a great guy. He's really a great is. human being. Great. He, he's got potential outside of the sport, too. You know, he's, he's, he's a fun guy. He's an interesting mm-hmm. personality. And not even just outside of the sport, meaning after he's done. I mean, if if he does make big strides in the sport and becomes a champion, he could transcend. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really can. He has that kind of personality. It's just a matter of doing what he did for that Gregor Gillespie mm-hmm. fight over and over and over again. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that is yeah. maddening. Espe That's especially if you ever fight, if he fights Khabib or when he fights Khabib. Yeah. You, you think he's going to fight Khabib? I think so. Khabib said he's only going to fight a couple more times. And I think he wants to fight George. Oh, that would be great. 165. Can George make that? Yeah. 165. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and Khabib, sure. it'd be probably be nice for him to. Yeah, but do, do we need a title on the line? I don't think we need a title on the line. Or do we do super lightweight? Bad motherfucker of the north. Whatever they want. <laughs> whatever they BMF -O -N. want. Whatever. Okay, whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at the Masvidal deal. I love that. Fight. I love that thing. I love it. You yeah. could do anything you want with a title. Yeah, and you can make one. You know. It, you could put Tony Ferguson, Masvidal, 165 sure. BMF. Oh, yeah. You have control of everything now. Right. The BMF thing is interesting. Very right? smart. Yeah. And it's not going to go away. And no one complained. I loved it. No one was like, what is this? No. No. We all watched. That's why I tell people. The people who are about mouthing it, I'm like, you're still going to watch. Yeah. You want to see it. That's the whole point. It's fun. It is Whenever fun. a belt says bad motherfucker <laughs> on it, we're living in a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I was listen. I was just happy to see that fight, and I'm happy to see George get the shine that he deserves, and I'm happy to see Nate get the shine that he deserves. Mm. So for me, I, the, the, the the title was great, nice, fantastic, whatever. Five round fight with two of the very best 175 70 pounders in the world. That's what was intriguing to me, and whether or not Diaz could handle the overall skill set of Masvidal because his his skill set's so comprehensive. Mm. The wrestling is excellent. His creativity, his instincts, his killer instincts, his knockout power, the fact that he's a great kicker as well as a great puncher. Like people forget, you know, he knocked out Eve Edwards with a head kick in Bodog back when Eve mm. was a fucking man. Mm. And back when Eve was arguably the best 155 pounder in the world. And or the body one punch. Yes. You don't see that often. Oh man, that he body throws shot, everything. Yeah. That body shot. That's a lost art of body punching because mm -hmm. a lot of people punch kind of like this, but he was is an uppercut to the body. Yes. That's, that was driving through. And you can tell it hurt Diaz. Diaz changed side. Yep. But he had kicked him there before. It was yes. brilliant strike, like really beautiful shot selection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean. Oh, he's got one of the highest fight IQs in yeah. the sport. Yeah. He's, and he doesn't have any weaknesses. Like he doesn't have mm. a weak chin. He takes a tremendous shot. His heart is incredible. Now that he's in, he's in far better shape than he's ever mm. been any any other time in his career. He's more disciplined. I mean, I'm very excited about him right now because from his resurgence, from the the knockouts that you know, knocking out Cowboy Cerrone, knocking out Darren Till, the knockout of Askren, which is just like Oof. fucking insane, man, insane. Oof, that one was insane. And then just really putting it on Diaz. It shows you how fucking tough Nate Diaz is. God damn. Oh my god. So tough. That, but could he beat an Usman or Kobe? That's a good question. It's a I, real good I, question. I think if he had a lot of rounds to do it, or let's say there was no there was no rounds, was, yeah, he, I would pick him. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because he could finish. Yeah. But the problem is he could also get out out wrestled. They eat up the rounds, they eat up the time. But I don't see them finishing them at Masvidal. Mm. But I could see Masvidal turning it around later on and finishing because he's a great finisher. Yes. Well, Usman could crack. You know, we saw that in the Woodley fight. We've seen he's won by knockout before. He's got legitimate one, right? power. One yeah, knockout? But, but he, you see it when he landed. I mean, he's got at least one knockout. Yeah, I think one. But you see he's got that kind of power. He does. You know, when he hurt Tyron. I mean, Tyron takes a good shot and he had Tyron in real, real bad trouble. <laughs> yes. He's dangerous with his strikes. Colby is a guy who's very wise in his choice. He's, to me, one of the most intriguing characters in the sport because he gets you tricked into thinking that he's a bum. 
because he's got the fucking Donald Trump Jr. book <laughs> and he has a cheap suit on and a MAGA hat and the old belt. But meanwhile, that motherfucker puts it on you and he doesn't get tired. And he's got this brilliant strategy of everything he throws, very Nick Diaz-like, 50, mm-hmm. 60%. He's not throwing haymakers. 50, 60% just keeps it on you, keeps it on you, keeps it on you, keeps it on you, keeps it on you. And you keep thinking you're going to get this break where you're going to be able to fire back like Robbie Lawler. He kept trying to find oh, yes. an opening to fire back. Those openings aren't coming. 541 strikes That's against inc- Robbie. No, people don't understand how insane that is. Go hit the back 500 times. <laughs> Go, like your next workout, yeah. just hit the back 500 times. Yeah. Just tough. get someone to stand there with a clicker. Yeah, just click. And throw 541 And don't shots. even throw it full blast. No. Just throw it 50%. Plus he's wrestling. How many takedown yeah. scrambles? How oh many? Oh my God. Like, yeah. His endurance is incredible. It's... Uh, five. And you know, he created that character because he thought the UFC was going to cut him. Right. He was fighting in Brazil. They told him it was basically his last fight. And really? Yeah, man. They were they were ready to get rid of him. They thought his style was fucking boring. <laughs> like the UFC is... Jamie, we've got a little issue here with this thing is falling oh, down. Oh, oh, it tightens up. There you I go. I got you. I got you. Um, All right. They were basically ready to cut him. And so he said, you know what? Um, I'm just going to fucking go for broke. Mm. I'm going to call these Brazilians a bunch of shitty names. <laughs> he called them dirty animals and all this crazy shit. And he basically just created this r- pro wrestling heel persona. Have you ever talked to him in real life? No, 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 no. Very nice guy. Yeah, I'm sure. Very smart guy. I'm very sure. Like, I'm sure of it. Really friendly, like real nice to talk to. I'm He's sure. not that guy. Uh, he's a fucking he needs a goddamn academy award <laughs> it's crazy because everybody hates him and they think he's a piece of shit he's there posing with trump and everything like it's it's fucking he's giving funny, them what man. they want he's giving them what and they when want. the fans don't want that no more he won't give it to them but he can also fight his ass off which is what's so crazy it's like people get twisted they get it twisted in their head that he can't really fight listen he beat robbie lawler he beat him bad like he uh, dominated him that's a big win that's a yes. massive win Rafael dos Anjos, same thing Beat that, the shit out of him. That's man. a colossal. He way. just keeps it on you. He doesn't give you any air. There's no air. No one gets air. And he could take a shot. He t- he he's fearless. Take, it's dude. He's got everything going for him. Mm. If he was just uh, a high level contender, you'd be like, "Fuck, keep an eye on that guy. Something special about him." But all this craziness that he does, he's got everybody <laughs> confused with the yeah. maga hat. That suit mm. costs three dollars. He's got a three dollar blue suit on. <laughs> The whole thing is so nuts. I mean, it's cr- he's a fucking character, man. It's, it's incredible. Re- it's really smart, and he he really gets a rise out of people because people Fuck, been yeah. trying to fight him outside the ring. And like, oh my it's, god! It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, he talks even so Masvidal. Much shit to- oh yeah, well, Masvidal's <laughs> friends with him too. Yeah, but Masvidal wants to kill him though. But does he? I don't know. They might both be in on that. Could be, yeah. I don't yeah, give you're a right, fuck. You're right. Let them talk. Yeah, you're Pro right. Pro wrestlers like each other, and they still throw each yeah, other through yeah. tables. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm but I'm interested to see that fight he, too. He got Trump to come to the fights, man. Yes, dude. Donald Trump came to the. I, you know, I almost missed the Kevin Lee fight. Really? Yeah. Because of all the security. I went to the green room to get a coffee and a little bit, a little bite to eat, and then they're like, "This area is closed." I'm like, "Okay, I just gotta no, so you can't move around." I'm like, "Okay, the whole building, the whole the whole section here is locked down." Yeah. I'm like, "For how long? You we don't know." So S- Secret Service now. They're yeah. Like, we don't know. Well, I got to contact UFC. We don't care about UFC. Well, I'm like, who, who talks to UFC? Who, who's, who from UFC is talking to Secret Service? We don't care. We don't know. Yeah, I had to wait a whole hour and a half before I could leave. Really? Yeah. The, 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 everything was locked down. They had to wait till Trump's 
entourage mm. or whatever the, the the I still I still we got yeah the, 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 the all the bulletproof fucking tanks that take him through the city. <laughs> Dude, I almost missed a fight. One fight goes by, two fight goes. Five yeah. fights have gone by. I'm like, guys, like I, re- yeah, we it don't was care. hard to get in. It was hard to get yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing was locked down. We had to go in through a different entrance. We had to get everything checked. They had to check my fanny pack. <laughs> did Did you get the dogs? Yeah, the, yeah, dogs, the dogs checked the truck. The dogs had to walk around the truck and sniff the truck. Did you see the soldiers? How how geared up they were? Yeah, they oh were ready God. to rock, man. Yeah, uh, goggles, and night shit. vision, yeah. machine guns, oh, yeah. all over the place. Crazy. Well, you got to think. I mean, if someone was a terrorist, they wanted to create create a gigantic yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. You'd yeah. kill Trump at the UFC. Mm, mm. Like, I, I was shit. shocked he's in the stands. Uh, yeah. So he's in the crowd. I thought yeah. he was going to be up in the booth. Right. No, he was right on the goddamn floor. Wow, that's pretty yeah, dangerous. He was right there. It? Yeah, the fans were there. No. Yeah. It was funny too, man, because uh, everybody was like torn over whether or not he got booed or cheered. Did he? Like, he got booed. I didn't hear it. I was in the back. Bro, I took my headphones <laughs> off. I took my headphones off. I was like, boo! Wait, they put but, him on the big screen? Yeah, but here's the thing. If you're standing, or if you're seated in a place where there was Trump fans, you mm. heard cheers. Mm. You heard a lot of fucking noise, mm. for sure. But there's a difference, right? Okay, like say if if he, like there's certain people that walk in and you hear cheers, right? Like, if Deontay Wilder was there, the place would go ape shit, mm. right? They go, yeah, that's a cheer. Yeah. When Trump was there, like, yeah, it's a <laughs> it was, but there was cheers mixed in with the booze. Mm. Tony Hinchcliffe had a good point. He's like, well, if you were sitting in the cheap seats where the people were Trump fans, you'd hear a lot of cheers. <laughs> It's it's entirely dependent upon who's around you and whether or not they're supporting him or not supporting him. But the idea that they all cheered him, that's fucking nonsense. <laughs> there was a lot of booing. A lot mm. of booing. But also just a lot of craziness. Like, holy shit, the president of the United States is here for the UFC. He's that here was, for that was wild. Masvidal versus Diaz. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts, man. For the BMF title. I don't know if he's knows. I don't know if he's even a fan. I mean, I don't know if he really enjoys the fights. <laughs> Who's not a fan of fighting? I wonder if he's going to come to Vegas for Colby's fight. Imagine if he's he's like Colby's little little fucking dog who follows him to all the fights. Do, he's like do his you think number he has one fan. Well, he definitely doesn't have the time to tweet. He's doing <laughs> that shit all day long. <laughs> That's true. I mean, all he needs is one Saturday. Come on, president. He's the world's most powerful man. <laughs> I know. I'm sure he probably has something that day, and it he's going to move it around. Hilarious if he made it. To look at that him with oh Colby. My <laughs> <laughs> <Dude>. uh, <laughs> I can't. I, I, Colby, I, I'd like to get him in here, if, but I don't know if he would break you got character. To. I don't know if he'd break you character if he would stick to. Stick to who he's – but like, I'm telling you, I hung out with him at the comedy store and I talked to him. He's a fucking good guy, man. Mm. He's, people think, I'm sure he is. They think he's this character. I'm sure they all are. They're all good guys. They're all good a guys. A lot of them. A yeah. lot of a lot of. There's there's yeah. a few. There's always a few, but well, most of know, them are good. This is a, a thing I was I was just getting into with a friend of mine. We were talking about people and their motivation for getting into fights, and I was like, or for getting into fighting, and I was like, I go, some of it is not good, man. Some of the motivation, mm. it's just. But what happens once you become a fighter? Like you can you can sort of transcend what your initial motivation was like a lot of people they got motivated into fighting because of abuse they were picked on they were bullied or maybe even abuse at home or you know a father beat them or something like that and then they became this angry mean person wanted to get back in the world but through martial arts you can transcend that and find peace mm. and this is something that i think is 
it's it needs to be discussed more. It needs to be talked more because people don't they don't hear it too much from the fighters' perspective because fighters don't really express these ideas that much. They just try to win and you know and kick ass and do their best. But you can find peace through combat. You mm. really can. You can mm -hmm. find a better version of yourself by getting through things that are even more difficult than the childhood that you went mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. And you're going to eat a lot of humble pie. Yeah. Especially when you start. Yes. And it's a bitter taste. Yes. I always tell people, you think George Champier didn't get killed in practice when he was a white belt? He think he started black belt? No. Right. Like everybody, he got killed. We all got Every, killed on our way killed. to black belt. Yes. Now you see a black belt, he rarely ever gets put in a bad position. But what, what you think he started like this? He suffered. But, you know, I, you, you ever hear of Learberg? Learberg, he's a, the world's greatest dog trainer. Oh, yeah? A yeah, dog trainer? Do dog trainer, yeah. You know Shih Tzu? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of the most legends. I don't know if he's still relevant today, but when I was a kid, my my older brother was obsessed with dogs and he used to watch Lerberg's videos. Oh, really? Yeah, he has a library of videos of how to train a dog. The first thing he does, he tells you how to pick a dog from the litter. And he says he walks up to the litter and he takes each puppy and he pinches the puppy till the puppy cries. So the, the puppy will whimper, you know, like, like he'll, he'll cry. And then he tries to make up with the puppy. If the puppy makes up with him, and then when he walks off, the puppy follows him, he's like, that's a good dog. I can train that dog. If the dog doesn't make up with him and is bitter about the experience and he's walking away from Learberg, he won't pick that dog. That dog, oh. when I'm going to train him later, he's going to be so uh, bitter from the corrections I'm going to give him. And, and the, you know, I'm going to have to, training him, I have to polish him, polish his dog. He's going to become so bitter. His attitude, his character is no good. Like attitude is the, the most important thing. Mm. Attitude is the first. And I feel like the new generation today, they're like this, you know, they're hard, harder to train than the last generation. Because, really? yes, because they're more proud. They're more proud. Like when you, they're always trying to make a reason why they're not doing well, as opposed to saying, look, I need to get better. They kind of find excuses for what went wrong. What do you think is the cause of that? Um, I think it's, you know, because we're, I think we have a privileged, privileged life. You, you know, the first generation of any, any pioneers of any country, they're always, we have nothing. They claw their way to the top. You know, so uh, Socrates used to talk about this. The, the first generation claws their way to the top. The second generation saw that hard, hard work. So you came in here, you had nothing, you, you could barely put food on the table, but you did everything to make it. Your kid saw that. He saw how food got on the table. But you're handing him down all these resources, a business, inheritance, uh, education. Like, for instance, my parents pushed me to be educated. My parents are not educated people. But when they came to Canada, they pushed me to become educated. And now, with your education, these new assets, this new business, you're ahead. The third generation is where generally things go wrong. Because now they're getting things, but they didn't see how it was made. They're just, oh, I have this iPhone. But I didn't mm. see how they built this empire. You know, it's not necessarily three generations. It could be more, obviously. This is just like a, a, in a nutshell. But there's one generation that just got stuff, but they didn't go out in the, in the wild to go get it. Yeah. And those are the ones that are going to tell you, hey, you sinned with that food on the table. You know, you kill that animal, you put them on the table. Right. What a sin on you, shame on you. But you're like, hey, you know, you ate from this table. This whole world we built was from, you know, this, ma this manner, you know. So that generation... They don't know what it takes to survive. Like, for instance, me, my kids, I don't give them anything unless they earn it. I feel like if I give my son something for free, I cripple them psychologically. Mm. Take, take, a, take a tiger from the zoo and take a tiger from the wild. Is, is it the same animal? 
one of them one of them can hunt and kill the other one can't do nothing the one from the zoo you took something from him what did you take his instinct to survive to fend for himself once i feed you i weaken you if i feed you oh i made you weak me i teach you how to hunt you know i have to teach my son how to hunt so one day i tell my kids what are you going to do when i'm dead what are you going to do in that who's going to feed you who's going to take care of you like think about these things you know like i i, I like them to earn because if you put your if you put some if you give somebody a lot of a lot of nice things they become very um, egotistical and i'll tell you why because they're so insecure you could tell an insecure martial artist from a secure martial artist the insecure martial artist doesn't want to roll with this person doesn't want to train here he's very selective how he how he tra- like he's so and it's because like he, he doesn't want he doesn't want to eat humble pie you could tell that's what happened how much of that we have in martial arts we have tons of that guys with super black belts but never fought they never mm. trained they mm. never nobody ever saw them in action so i feel like that's what happens at one point success breeds you know what nietzsche calls the last man you know you're a fat cat on a pillow you fight so hard to give your kids a great life but that great life kind of ruins them it could also ruin them so i feel like this generation of martial artists not the hardcore guys in ufc not them but i'm talking about the everyday guy coming in it's because now in jiu-jitsu you, you have clubs giving away belts with membership what yeah so if you show up we we count how many times you come to practice and then you have a stripe every so often it's all scheduled we tell you when you're going to get your purple belt it's already wow, wait a minute what yeah who, there's who clubs the fuck now is doing that i don't want to say because uh oh, don't you don't have to say but, but that's real yeah. so they give you a certain oh, yeah. number so if you train for 50 days yes you get a stripe yes. you train for another 50 days yes wow yes it already started oh, that's it happened terrible. in karate yeah in the 70s, people don't know this, Masoyama sent three black belt karate uh, experts to Thailand to fight Thais, three Thais. Two of the karate guys won. Really? Do that today. <laughs> today, not all karate schools, but most of them are watered down. Why? They start, okay, karate's, karate's popular. Let's take out the sparring. Let's take out all the hard training and guarantee this guy a black belt in four years, three years. Mm. Whereas opposed to taking 10 years, the guy down the street is going to go out of business. Why? He, he's charging... Uh, a fee to train you hard and it's going to take you 10 years and you're going to have pain and suffering whereas this guy your neighbor your competitor down the street he's giving it to you in three years and there's not much pain and suffering involved yeah so you get the prestige of a black belt without the hard training it's going to happen in jiu-jitsu now you're going to see it's coming it's already here it's been here for for a while but jiu-jitsu seems like one of the rare meritocracies in martial arts Mm. if you don't spar Mm -hmm. you don't tap people you don't get a black belt I agree. If you don't spar, you don't tap people, you don't make your thank way God. through. The, thank God. But it's Be- one of the rare ones because <laughs> yes. in karate, there's a lot of like bullshit sparring where mm-hmm. they're touching each other. You they know? put all sorts of rules and mm-hmm. the sparring now is yeah. like. Yeah. So you never get really mm-hmm. backed into a corner. That's why it backfires a lot. A lot of those guys who went to those other kind of schools, they end up in other academies. Like they give up. I have, I've had a purple belt come up to me and say, I want to give back my purple belt. I, like, I, don't, I got a purple belt from a certain school. And he went to the basics course in my gym. Basics. He says, I want to start back basics. White belt. No. Yes. He was a purple belt. Right. Went back to white belt. Yeah. But when I rolled with him, I was like, who the hell? Like, no, it's not his fault. What do you think he was? Maybe a blue, blue belt. belt. Blue belt. Blue belt. Like a bear. Yeah. No, a, bl- like a blue a belt. A blue belt. The definition of blue belt, according to Elio Gracie, is you can beat a bigger, stronger opponent that's untrained. Okay. So blue belt's not a huge, like, mega step. Right. But purple belt is an advanced belt. You're advanced. Yes. 
Like it's, it's You're almost a black belt. You just need yeah. to keep training. That's the hardest belt to get. To go from purple blue belt. to purple is the most painful transition in my opinion. In my opinion. Because most people stop at blue. For me, brown belt was the scariest. Yeah. Because I was like, fuck, I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man. I was a brown belt for like eight years though. Mm, good. I just kept good. getting injured too though. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Take your time. Yeah. I always tell guys, I'd rather you be a purple belt that tops out black belts. Yes. Then be a black belt that's getting killed by blue belts. Right, right, right. W- 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 you harm your student when you give him a belt he can't carry. Yes. You harm them. Why? Because yes. like you said, jiu-jitsu, people walk in from out of town, they jump into your class. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the blue belt's killing your brown belt. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing for him. Yes. Leave him blue. Yeah. At least he's a blue belt getting beat by a blue belt. Right. It's Let legit. him be what he is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But they want to hook you. Oh, belt seminar. Oh, right. belt uh, yeah, test. So now there's yeah. tests. We didn't do tests. I didn't do tests. No. John Denehar, if you say, hey, John, we're going to do tests, he's going to laugh at you. Right. You know? It's like, yeah, John Jock didn't do any tests either. No, there's no test. Eddie Bravo didn't do any tests. I think there's uh, there's also a situation where these people are realizing that, hey, if you have, you know, X hundred students and they're paying $150 a month, you can get this amount of money. The and, mathematics. Yeah, they start doing the thing. <laughs> they're doing the thing in their head and they realize, like, look, I am only making X amount of money. I can make triple that if I just lighten up on people. But you have to sell the jiu-jitsu. You have to change the you thing. Didn't, you didn't learn it like this. Right. You, you didn't train like thing. this, yes. Well, jujitsu is one of the it's it's one of the rare martial arts where you go full blast, you mm. know, and you can tap. You know, if you get caught in an armbar, even though the guy's not yanking on it past the point where it's going to snap, they're they're showing some control. They catch you in that armbar and they know they have mm. it. You have to tap. You just go again. Mm. I mean, you can go yeah, right again. Yeah, infinity of amount yes. of lives. If you infinity. wheel kick someone in the head, they're Eesh. not going again for a long time. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you actually do it yeah. the way you would do it in a fight. It's yeah. just like that that difference of striking training versus grappling training is one of the things that really separates jujitsu from the other martial arts mm-hmm. is that you you can learn in a real situation. So like if you're in a street fight with jujitsu and you grab a hold of a guy, it's so normal. Mm. The guy's going full blast. Fucking everybody no goes full blast. Yeah. Everybody goes full blast. Yeah. But yeah. if you're in a street fight with someone, you've only been point sparring, <laughs> and someone's swinging haymakers at you, like, yikes! Mm. You're scared because you're not accustomed to that because the, the the actual consequences of getting hit like that in training are so high that you don't do that. You don't, it, it's you don't, very different. It's very, very, very different. Mm. There's a lot of people that have black belts in karate that would get fucked up <laughs> in a street fight by a guy who's quick, who For can sure. hit hard. Who just knows how to just hit you, a mean person that's been in a lot of street fights and but knows how to punch you in the face. There's also real karate instructors out there that have real good karate students. Oh, yeah. But the vast majority of them are sold out because yes. if they train the people for real, yes. they'll lose their customer too. I think it's the opposite in jiu-jitsu. I think most jiu-jitsu is mm. legit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most yeah, karate is yeah. not legit. Yeah, it's not, it's not sus- susceptible as much right. jiu-jitsu because you have to roll. Right. Or... Like, eventually, you couldn't have gone to Purple Belt without rolling. But they have their ways, right? They have their ways. Like, if they have a good ki- like a kid who's, like, they know he's going to compete, they'll hold them back. Mm-hmm. If they have a guy who's a lawyer, Sam you know, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll boost him up faster, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. I understand that, you know? It's not the same thing. A young kid who's competing and a guy who's older, uh, and I get that. But there has to be a, still a purity to the game, you know? Mm-hmm. They can't, I hope they don't try to water it out because I think it's going to backfire in the end because it has, like, so many guys come from other schools to my gym. And they're like, oh, I don't want to tell you what belt I am. I'm like, really? What? They're embarrassed to tell me what belt they are. 
So is that a Canada thing or is that happening all across uh, the world? I think it's happening around the world. Fuck. Yeah. That's so disappointing to hear because when I started in 96, it was grimy, man. It was fucking no one was doing it. Oh, it was yeah. rough. And, <laughs> and when you did it, you were getting – and it was a bunch of people that had seen the UFC mm. and were like, holy shit. It was me. It was like I realized that I was so vulnerable. Because mm. I had these ideas. Well, I know how to kickbox. I have no taekwondo. You know, I, I know how to handle myself. And then I do jujitsu and just get mauled. I mean, just just man by people my size, just manhandling me. I got killed my first day, and I loved it though. Because you realize, like, like, wow, so much to learn. What is that movie did? Yeah. What is this thing you, I was so enthusiastic about? Like, you're gonna get. To sh- I'm gonna get to see. Am I gonna get to try? And they would show me what they did, and I was like, mind blow, yeah. like total mind blow. Yeah, it's interesting how vulnerable you really are. Like when you when you first learn when you, your first few days of classes, it's different than almost anything else because you feel like there's nothing you could do to get out of it. You know what I mean? Like I felt like sparring when I spar when I kickbox spar with people that were better than me. I'm like, at least I can move. Mm. At least I could avoid this guy and you know maybe mm. survive a few rounds if I fight defensively. Don't extend myself. You know, don't leave anything hanging out there. Just play tight to my chest. Like keep, keep fight, spar smart. I know this person's better than me, but I can get through this round. Yeah, I would do jujitsu against guys who were black belts when I was a white belt or a blue belt, and I'd be like, "There's nothing. There's not a thing I can do. This is 100% positive. He's going to tap me. It's about what he's practicing on me." It's fun though if the guy on top of you is not being a an asshole. You know, yeah, yeah. If yes. he's really, if he's yes. cool, yes, yeah. Because you could teach somebody jujitsu in a nice way. Yes, it, it could be a gentle. It is a gentle art. It can be, yeah. Mm. It can be, well, yeah. When I saw the first commercial for UFC two, I saw them hoist up the champion. I saw them pick up the champion, hoist Gracie. I was shocked right. that a small guy. Uh, is martial arts real? I thought it was like <laughs> this guy won. No way. I begged my parents to buy UFC two. I showed it to my brothers. I showed everybody, like, we have to watch this. <laughs> and then they showed the lineup of guys he's going to fight. I thought, okay, no, he's going to get killed. Like, I, I didn't see part one. But this guy, this Brazilian guy, is going to get killed. He weighs 176 pounds. This guy's 250 pounds. I was like, this guy's going to get killed. Is he crazy? And he won. And if, if the new generation hasn't watched that, they have to go back and watch it. They should. They have to. Because that's the genesis of like, they set, they set martial arts on fire. Everybody wanted to do jiu-jitsu. I couldn't find a jiu-jitsu school in Montreal. I was like dying. Like, if you ask me, cut your arm off, we'll teach you jiu-jitsu, I would, I would do it. Like that's how badly I wanted to learn it. I met a purple belt from Hensel Gracie, Angelo Exaracos, and I was like religious with my lessons. He would teach twice a week, but I would train all week. I made my own mat. I invite my neighbors over. Like it was such a like... It was a mind-boggling experience to learn jujitsu. It actually worked. A martial art that really works. I was, was Do you fascinated. remember Henzo and Craig Kukuk had like the first yes. instructional videos? Yes. Those red plastic yes. VHS tapes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I got those. Yeah. Yeah. Those were like the first instructionals. Mm-hmm. Because before you would have to go somewhere to learn. They were the first guys to actually put it down in an instructional form. I would buy all VH- of them. Oh, I bought all of them. All I remember I, them. I used one of the mount escapes once in class against a guy who was uh, te- I was like a 
maybe I was blue belt, not even. I think it was a white belt. But I, I secured this guy's arm and I, I bucked and kicked him over uh, towards where I, I had taken mm. away his base. Bridge and roll. And I, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, holy roll. shit, it worked. Because mm. I watched it in the video and then I wound up doing it in the class. I was like, this is crazy. He's like, where'd you learn that? And I was like, I got this video, man. <laughs> Kenzo Gracie, Craig Cook. Now, let, let me ask you this. Uh, um, mind experiment. Imagine you have no martial arts training. None. Take everything you've learned, throw it away. Okay. Take away all your physical training. Okay. You walk into a room full of people. How do you feel psychologically? A little insecure. Insecure. Yeah. Insecure. Yeah. That's how regular people feel. Yeah. Most people, I should say, most. They never train in their, their life. They're unskilled to deal with a situation that might occur, could right. occur at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a gift to train a... Uh, like I train all my students, my 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 kids. It's mandatory training to a certain level is mandatory. It's like mathematics is mandatory to a certain level. Like yeah. you can't in Canada, you can't say, "Oh, I want to drop out of high school." Now it's illegal. Now, if I remember, if, it's illegal to drop out of high school. I, I, I'm not sure. if I think it is now, wow. or they're they're gonna pass it. Wow. But it's like you need a certain level of education, and I'm not sure now if high school is like let's say elementary school. Okay, you can't you can't drop out of elementary school. High school though, I'm not sure. Uh, I have to double check, but I, I'm pretty sure it's illegal now at this point. Well, I think that would stop a lot of bullying. And I've said this before, yeah. but I think it's counterintuitive to people. They think that bullying is a mean person. And if you taught them how to fight, they'd become meaner. Mm. But that's, I don't think that's the case. I think bullies are rare. insecure. Yes. Yeah. I think if you took away that and they got to really establish through training that they have character and that they're worth something and they don't have to be insecure and they, they build up this confidence, you wouldn't see them going out and, and picking on people i've had so many parents tell me i don't recognize my son when he's with you he's so disciplined he's so kind he's soft-spoken mm. he's like at home he's an animal he's a he's a like he he acts up he's yeah i'm like really well here if you did that it would be a problem you know yes, like like people right. respect right the dojo they respect the environment they're in because there are other guys out there that put you in line yes and that's the real world and some people they don't know that like i, I remember one time i was in an airplane and a guy punched the back of my seat i swear to god i leaned back he had a laptop on his uh, tray yeah when i leaned back it crushes the laptop like i don't know the guy has a laptop I, i'm allowed right. to lean my seat back i lean it back the guy pushes like he he, he he palmed it hard like boom and i was like excuse me sir is there a problem? He's like, don't lean your chair back. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, this is a guy who's never gotten a beating in his life. The way he talked to me was so rude. I was like, dude, man. Like, I would never talk like that to somebody. Never. Why? Because you learn through martial arts, you know, like respect everyone, man. Respect is huge. One day you're the, the hunted, one, the other day you're the hunter. And it's just like the, the way life works, you know, like have respect. Why should, like, this guy's instigating a fight now. We know what violence is. It could, it could, it could be really bad for one of us here. Like, why would you want to go there? Just Over say a, a laptop movie? Yeah, you just say, I would have been like, sorry, sir, my fault, my apologies. I had. I would have bought the guy, I would have bought him whatever he wants. Like, and he's, I would have I took care of it. Like, I would have been nice to him about it because we know the realities of violence. Like, some people don't know the realities of violence. Like, I've seen yeah. people, like, on, on video, they, like, they're in a certain situation and they act all crazy. Hey, this might spark some violent event here. Yeah. Like, you don't want this. You don't know what violence is. You've seen it on TV. You've seen it in a movie. You think what? You think you know what it is to be punched and kicked. And Like, this could end really bad for you. Like, would you want to play with that if you know what it was? Like, sometimes I see people starting a fight. I'm like, this person has no idea what they're talking about. Like, they've never been in a fight. They're instigating a fight. A fight might occur, and they might regret it. 
Like they don't know what it is to be hit, to be attacked, to be to be in a fight. So like I, I just find I find it always like jaw dropping when somebody's gonna instigate a fight over something so small. And they don't even know how to fight, which they is what's know. even crazier. I, I told that guy off so bad. Did you? Oh, because you know, I, I told him off so bad. I scared the hell out of him. And I was like, yo, what are you going to do now? And he was like, he turned white. I'm like, dude, like I could have been an old lady here. Yeah. You could have hit an old lady. She's pulling her chair back. I told him off. Look, remember, we're in an airplane too. So I told him off. Like, I didn't yell or anything, but I told him off. I, said, I told him he's a real, you know, I told him what I think of him. That guy shut his mouth. But it's like, dude, you want to fight over this laptop? Like, seriously, like that's no one can possibly know that you have a laptop open. No, but and the fact that you palm someone's chair. <sighs> Me and my, <clears throat> when I'm in public, the last thing I want to do is fight. Yeah, of the course, last of thing. Of course, of course. The last thing I got well, it out of my system. Well, isn't it funny? Like, uh, when was the last time you saw a fight at the gym? Never. Never. <sighs> Maybe occasionally, some guys get mad if some guy doesn't let go. Yeah, little, 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 little thing. A little thing. Yeah, it's a little thing. But it's it's rare. Yeah. But a bar. Jesus Christ! Almost every weekend, wow. people fight. The worst place to be. It, it's you understand what it is, and I think most people don't, and I think most people are scared of it, and I think that's why they posture, that's why they puff their mm. chest up, that's why they pretend. Most people have zero idea. Most people that haven't had any sort of a physical altercation, they have zero idea of how vulnerable they truly are. They really I, just don't know. How do, there's, this, there's this left turn I take to the gym. That people think it's illegal. Like my wife, when I did it once, she's like, it's a, this illegal turn. I'm like, no, it's not. I videotaped the light. There's two green lights going left. I had to send it to her. And she's like, oh, okay, you're right. I take that left turn twice a day every day to go to the gym. One day I take that left turn and this guy races his car towards me like he's going to plow through my door, honks at me, starts telling me off. I'm like, I open my car door. I'm like, let's go. You want to go? The guy's like, he got scared. I'm like, dude, you, you, you're like talking to me like you're my father here. You want to go? And the guy was like, turn away. He didn't want to come out of his car. I went, shut your mouth. It's not an illegal light. I get in my car and I leave. But that guy was Mr. Tough. He, he's, that guy's never been in a fight in his life. Now that it's, you know, he's in his car, he's safe. And I hate stuff like this. Like, the cars are so weird too. Uh, you know why? so weird. People are crazy when they're behind the wheel. It's also, someone explained it to me psychologically. What happens is when you're driving, you understand that you have to make these split second decisions because mm. you're moving fast, right? So everything's accelerated. So you're on edge. <laughs> So if someone does something wrong, like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> it's like people blow up at a level that they would never blow up if you were just walking. Mm. Like, how many times have you been in a crowded street like Manhattan or something and people accidentally bump into people? It's almost never an issue. Mm. It's like, oh, well, sorry, sorry. Mm. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have that heightened sense of worry because you're not moving very fast where you have to make these split-second decisions. So your brain is geared up to the speed that you're moving at. That's mm. why on the highway, people go fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> because their, their brain is already at like seven or eight before anything but ever do, happens. Do you think it has a lot to do like on the internet, you're behind your keyboard? Oh, yeah. There's nothing you could do to me. Right. I'm a distance away. There's a little bit of that. But the guy's behind his car, he thinks I'm going to drive away. You know, there's yeah. a little bit of that. Yeah. There's a little bit say. of that too. Yeah. There's a little bit of everything. There's a lot of factors. But, the, <laughs> but the, there is a psychological aspect to driving a car because your brain is ramped up to mm. make quick decisions. Mm. You know, I think that the... The society that we live in with people behind keyboards and with anonymous names, that, that's a coward's way of existing. It, it really is. It is a coward's way of the existing. The worst of the worst. It's the worst. You Saying mean things to people while no one can see your face, that's not your real name, you're pretending to be something you're not, and 
when you see it happen with fighters, to me, it's fucking crazy. I'll go to people's Twitter pages when a fighter wins or something like that, and then they see all the assholes talking shit oh to them. Oh, my God. Like, you guys are out of your fucking mind. I, I wish they all had to use their name with oh. their face, and it showed the city where they live. That's what I wish. I wish, like, if you wanted to have a more civilized version of social media, you should be able to see your face and your name and where you live. You know, it's, Facebook is probably a little... I don't use Facebook, but I guess it's probably a little... Cl- I, I, the only way I use Facebook, it's connected to my Instagram. So if I post on Instagram, it goes to Facebook. I've read it a few times, like the crazy shit that people write. I'm like, I don't want any part of you. Mm, it's nuts. Are- it's the worst side of human beings. Yeah. It's, well, it's also... The thing about Facebook that drives me crazy is there's no limit to how much you can write. Uh, so you write these long fucking <laughs> diatribes. Tri- oh, oh, who can read it? Assholes. People oh, that post those things, they also write it. But... um. <sighs> There's something about that, at least with Facebook, you, it's your name. It's mm-hmm. Farah Sahabi. Mm-hmm, you see your mm-hmm, name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you, I mean, I guess you could have a fake name on Facebook. Yeah, you I can mean, make a fake account. I don't think you should be able to. I mm. think, I think the, the only problem against that would be, like, say if you were a woman and you're working at an office and your boss was abusing you or sexually harassing you and you couldn't say anything anonymously. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you should be able to anonymous, un- anonymously say something, or maybe even there's something going on at your job where it's illegal, where people's lives are being put in damage. You should be, you able, should to be s- able to leak. Yes. Whistleblow. Yes, yes. Mm. You should be able to say th- certain things anonymously. But mm. other than the talking shit, as soon as you talk shit, mm, all those privileges what, are revoked. But why do people do this, you think? Because, again, the same thing as, like, what we were talking about earlier. They're insecure. They've never been checked. It's also when people are... When people are constantly criticizing people and constantly judging people and constantly insulting people, that is a way to avoid self-analysis. And it's mm-hmm. a way you're comparing yourself, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, to that person. And you, instead of self-reflection, you're just shitting on that person. When you you're see projecting. a guy, like, when, when guys are talking shit to John Jones, you know, they're, they're, it's like you're, you're giving a finger to the lion. You know, mm. you see the lion in the cage, like, you're in a fucking cage, <laughs> faggot. You know, like, that's what it's like. It's like they can't do anything because oh he can't get out of that cage because he doesn't know who you are because you have a fake Twitter name and you're hiding behind one of those little those eggs. You know, you don't, you're not a real person. It's and incredible. you can say all this crazy shit to him or to, you know, fill in the blank, any, any UFC fighter. And I see it all the time. I see it all the time. It's crazy. It's weird. Let me put you in there with John Jones. Oh, my God. With 16-ounce gloves, you're going to freak out. Oh, my God. It's not even a real fight. 20-ounce gloves, you'll freak out. You're not even going to make it in. Your legs are going to tremp. Like you're gonna you're gonna collapse. You're just staring down at the beginning. (laughs) The referee's reading your instructions, just wetting your pants. He's an interesting guy, man. He's such an interesting guy. He is. He is. I've I've worked with him in the past. Yeah. 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 But before he was a megastar. Oh, no kidding. When he was up in New York. Yeah. Yeah. He used used to come to TriStar and like. Yeah. I was the one who told him how to get out of New York. Yeah. 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 We were smoking weed in a hotel room. Really. Well, I was telling him. You've given like, some good advice, dude. Well, uh, you know, it's one thing about being an, an observer, like being on the outside, mm-hmm. but but caring about those guys. I like yeah. John a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew he was like, super talented. And this is in the early days. You know, he was like, when he's beating up Stefan Bonner, I was mm-hmm. like, listen, man. I go, you got something. I'm like, you got you to gotta go to a real camp. Because he was just so talented. And, he, you know, he would train and... You know, he had such a strong wrestling background, but also so creative. He would just do spinning elbows and shit, like practice stuff. I'm like, dude, you gotta go somewhere. You know, you mm. gotta you gotta find a place. And and he eventually wound up going to Jackson's. But 
he could have gone anywhere. I mean, he could have gone to you. He could have gone to a lot of different places. He's just that. What a unique talent that guy is. When you're 23 years old, you open up your first title fight with a flying knee against a legend like Shogun. Opens up with a flying knee. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Certain guys just. That's the the interesting thing about the UFC style of uh of sort of throwing fighters to the wolves, because the UFC unlike boxing. In boxing, they take a guy, you know, mm. and they'll slowly mm-hmm. work him yes. through the ranks of yes. journeymen, and they give mm-hmm. him different looks. Mm-hmm. This guy likes to fight inside. Let's see how he handles yep. that. And then they eventually get him to the point where he's 15-0, and 16-0. They get him in there with a contender, and they, 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 they calculate risk versus reward. With the UFC, man, you could have... You know, you could have like two fights, and you know, Usman needs a fight, and they'll throw you in there. I, I find that I like what boxing does, they build up a guy. Because the thing is, if you take two studs and yes. you put them together, the crowd doesn't know that they're two studs. They look, they nullify each other, so they look yeah. like average fighters, right? But they're not average fighters, right? If you give them a 500 fighter, he'll eat them up, right? And you're showing to the fans, look, this is a 500 fighter. We're going to give that guy a chance to prove himself. You know, the 500 fighter thinks he's improved. That's why he took the fight. Mm-hmm. And this fighter is a young stud. We think he's going to be a star. These are, these are fights to demonstrate that this guy's in a different league. And then you have this other guy you had built up. And when you put them together, there's an anticipation. You sell out the crowd. Like, that's what boxing does. And it's yes. very intelligent in a way. Yeah. Because if you put Mayweather and De La Hoya early on, nobody knows how good they are. Exactly. Exactly. They, they look, they make each other look normal. Right. Right. Yeah, you can you can certainly make an argument for that, but then again there's the argument of the outlier, like John Jones. Right. Few fights into his UFC career, right. becomes the youngest champion of all time. But he also has three hundred plus wrestling matches. Like he has a lot of experience. Very true. Very true. And very important that people yeah. don't think about that as mm. fights. But they're competitions at a high level with physicality. Yeah. It's there's definitely an argument for that, and it's also there's something about having the ability to stuff takedowns and then execute takedowns, which is such a it's such a it evens things out in so many different ways because you can always dictate where the fights take place. And his reach. Yeah. Oh, he's got so many things. The greatest reach in history of UFC. There's no longer reach ever. Not just the greatest. Well, I don't think so. I think Semi Shilt probably had a longer reach. You're right. Yeah. 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 Uh, But also today. Well, what about Stefan Struve? He had have a longer Did reach. Did he? He's seven feet tall. Is Struve's reach longer? I'm not sure. Struve's fucking ridiculous, bro. Oh, you know what? Uh, no, no. I think I think John's the longest reach. What? I don't know. I have to how look it up. Str- how could John's reach oh, you, be longer than You know what it was? I, I had read an article. They were talking about the reach. And uh, they were saying that the reach is the deficit of your height and length. So how much longer is your reach... Comparative to your height. Oh, I see what you're and saying. That's reach. They call it reach apex or something. Oh, They're the same. Really? Eighty-four and a half inch. Who's that? Wow. Bar- Stefan Struve, uh, Struve and John Jones have the same. Yeah. That's crazy. There you go. Struve yeah. is seven feet tall. <laughs> oh my god. Well, John is the very best at utilizing that reach and 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 just keeping guys on the outside. He's very intelligent. Distance. Oh yeah. He's very creative and yeah. intelligent. He Super. knows what's going on in the fight all the way, and he shifts. He shifts his strategy as the fight goes on. Yeah. Like he's, a, he's a very intelligent guy. Yeah. I'm really curious to see if Dominic Reyes can hang with him. Very curious. Very it curious. It depends which John Jones shows up. I think he's very motivated for that fight. Mm, he should be. 
Well, I think he also realizes, like, look, he lost a lot of time fucking off and getting suspended and all the dumb shit that he did. Mm. He has a chance. He's still, right now, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. He's still the light heavyweight champion. And if he moved up to heavyweight, he would be the number one contender. I mean, he, he really, should fight heavyweight. I think so, too. Why, would, why hasn't he fought heavyweight? I think he wants to clean out the division. I think he has a couple fights at light heavyweight. And I think now there's a real possibility that he might stick. I think you've got uh, Corey Anderson, who looked fantastic in his last fight. You know, Johnny mm-hmm. Walker, they were mm-hmm. thinking, was going to be the next guy mm-hmm. for the title. Corey starches him He's in the He's a guy I like round. to work with, Johnny Corey? Walker. Oh, no. Johnny Walker? Yeah. yeah. I think he needs more uh, polishing. Yes. Oh, for sure. He's got, He's s- got great talent. Silly power. Yes. His power is crazy. But he needs to... No, he's a very big prospect. Yes. No, I agree. He's a wild man, too. Mm. But, you know, Corey found holes in his game. Exactly. Figured it out. And Corey is uh, clearly one of the top contenders. Like, there's there's two guys that really stand out. There's Corey Anderson and there's Dominic Reyes. And Dominic with that knockout um, over Chris Weidman. Yeah. That's hard to watch for me. I didn't like that fight for Chris. Mm. I don't like him moving. I think he's a 185 pound yes. fighter. I think he should stay there. That that I think there's too few divisions, not a, man. Not a good fight to go to 205 for the first no, time. Oh, terrible. Very, very bad idea. Terrible. I liked him versus Rockhold at 205. That's I interesting. Know, I don't know what happened there. There was a I think it was scheduled once upon a time. Mm, was I it? I think so too. They have to if they're going to fight those two, that's the fight to make. Yeah, well, Rockhold's done. I think he? he doesn't want to do it yeah, anymore. He's going to have a jiu-jitsu match, though. He's going to do I, some I jiu-jitsu saw matches. Who's he, who's he going against? Um, uh, is it Gordon? I, well, he, I think he's talked talk shit about Gordon. I don't know if there's anything actually scheduled. Won't go well for him. Well, it's his legs. Legs could be in real trouble. I've trained with Gordon a lot. Like, yeah? He, he may never walk again. Like You should be careful. Like I wouldn't talk shit to him, you know? Yeah. Well, like, all those Donaher leg lock specials <laughs> scare the fuck out of me, man. Listen, if you're talking, if you're talking a lot, it might take a second or two longer to let go of the leg lock. Yeah, you know, you got to be careful with that. And you hear the cracking, you know? oh, popping of you your know? ligaments and meniscus. Oof. Like my my favorite grappling match of all time is Paul Harris versus Gary Tonin. That was a great fight. <laughs> and Paul Harris was probably like twenty five pounds heavier than him. More? Oh how much? God. How much heavier was he? I don't know, but he came in overweight. Did he? He's just you know you got tested positive already. Oh, for sure. Now he's out of UFC. He's not. He's Gary not. Gary th- tested positive from being in the same room as him. <laughs> That's how positive he is. <laughs> At one point, he takes Gary and throws Gary, like literally, just yeah. And it's like Gary just kind of rolls. Yeah. Oh, it's a beaut- That's what jujitsu is. Yeah. You know, yeah. just going with the flow of it all. And fought him to a draw. And I, I thought, well, he got the better of him, but the yeah. rules is there's no sub. Right. It's right. a draw, but Gary, if if there was no time limit, Gary's gonna sub him. He was gassing out, mm-hmm. uh, you know. He was slowing down, and, and and Gary was just picking it up, picking it up on him, and he was yeah. he was tearing, he was he was gonna he was gonna catch him. Yeah. Well, another great one is Cyborg versus Gordon Ryan, where Cyborg oh, yes. was a multiple time jujitsu champion, yeah. veteran of the game, yeah. and Gordon Ryan had only been doing jujitsu like five years. Yeah, times Some, have changed. Something crazy like that. John Denahar's found a way to teach you jujitsu in a nutshell. Like he, he's just now the most efficient trainer in the history of jujitsu. Yes, his Gordon won double gold again. Yeah, and in stunning fashion too. And after knee surgery. Yes. Yeah. John has created a new way. The best jujitsu place in the world today is is New York Hensel Gracie Academy. The way that they're, I'm telling you, their the purple belts today are scary as hell. Like if you roll with their purple belt, it's like he's a super seasoned black belt. 
Like I had, I had one of my students, I promoted him to brown belt and I got in a lot of trouble from John because I, I took him from purple belt to brown belt and that guy had subbed, he, my student had subbed like five black belts that year. And I was like, okay, time for a brown belt. And John's like, no, he's not good enough yet. I'm like, okay. But he set five black belts in competition, like real good black belts. And he's like, so what? You know, he did just have a new standard now. Mm. Their purple belts today at Henzo, at, at Henzo's John, it's a new standard. These guys are so good. It's scary, man. You better know the leg lock. Like I, like, I learned leg locks from them. It's crazy, too, that it's in Manhattan where the price for rent is so goddamn high yeah. and they still have like a thousand students. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, it's, if you go there and you're a stud, if you're a stud and you go in that practice room, you're a regular Joe. Wow. Like, I don't care if you're GSP. I don't care if it, you are like, this is going to be a hard day and you better be nice. You know, like, you better be <laughs> humble when you come in here. You know, like I've, I've, I just sent Kevin Lee there, you know, like I'm telling you, they're so good this generation. Like the generation under me and George, they're so good. They got so good so fast. And Eddie Cummings opened up his own place, right? Um, I think he's at another club. You think he opened sure. up his yeah. own place? Yeah. He, he was John's student. Like I, I used to roll with Eddie back in the day. He wasn't that great. Like he, he, you could see, he's, he's a very intelligent guy. Very. And then all of a sudden, he got super good. Like I'm telling you, night and day. Like I'd roll with him once, and he was okay. You know. Then I came back like six months later, a year later, and he's like freaking. He was unbelievable. And John had just been in developing these new. John's in there eight hours a day, man, figuring out little things, and, sleeping on the mat, and teaching Eddie this, teaching Eddie. And Eddie's not a freakishly athletic guy. He's he's a good athlete, but not like it's not his athleticism. It's, it's the technique, the skill. Think like he's catching me in things I don't even know what they are. And that's what it is. That's that's jujitsu. Once they innovate something, you don't know what it is. It's like you're getting caught in that. Mm. And the, that's what John does: is innovating all sorts of things in in the game. That now his student, who's a purple belt, is better than that black belt over there. They had one blue belt they promoted him at abu dhabi purple belt he's a blue belt at abu dhabi he got on the podium and they gave him his purple belt i'm forgetting his name now it's nick uh nick something the guy is uh, is it i can't remember he's new he's brand new on the circuit yeah, I big, even, big strong yeah I haven't, I haven't even trained with him once yet like I, I haven't gone to new york in a little bit i didn't go to i didn't go to new york last time i didn't go to henzo's last time i was in new york google nick rodriguez henzo gracie he's like a heavyweight right yeah he's a big yeah. boy yeah. yeah didn't he beat cyborg he's not he, he did didn't he beat him by decision I, yeah. yeah did he beat him I'm not sure. I think he did. I think he was the one, now that I'm thinking of it, who they said was going to have a grappling match against... Oh, uh, uh, Rockhold. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he beats Rockhold. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, they're good, man. They're good. They're getting good so fast. It's crazy. Look at Nicky Ryan. Yeah. Listen, I love that kid. Uh, When he was like 15, he came to my gym. Like now he's like, I don't know, 16, 17. Rumors are true. Meet the guy who won third at ADCC trials after just six months of training. (laughs) Also, freakishly strong guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Very good athlete. Yeah, Nick Rodriguez. There it is. Six months. That is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I'm telling you, they're getting good so fast. How does someone come in third place in Abu Dhabi with six months of training? Like, what in the fuck, man? John has a system now. Like, it's... So he was a model, and then he started doing this, it says. Wow. <laughs> he was making money being a fitness model or something. Crazy. But what does that mean these days? Like, you could have an Instagram page where you stick your ass out. He's <laughs> in high school, and I don't know. It's, oh, okay. different than a, it's a dude doing How it. How old is he? Uh, I think he's only like 19. I think he's real young. Does it say? It doesn't say his age. Off is he 19? Top the top. I think he's young. He's some, like Maybe he's 21 or something like that. But I feel like he's pretty young. I got to roll with Nicky Ryan. And I've been doing shit so longer than he's been alive, you know? <laughs> and he's so good. Dude. Yeah. At 23. 23. Okay, I'm wrong. He's so good. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah, man. He's he's a really interesting guy, too, because his brother's so big. And he's like, what is mm. he, like 150 pounds or something like no, that? No, a little more. I would say 160, 165. 160. He's not huge, but... Yeah. His brother's a goddamn gorilla, though. Yeah. That's a big fella. Yeah, and they're smart kids. I mean, John, like, schools them, like, to, to be smart. It's mm -hmm. incredible. And they did they start out with him, with John? Yes. Well, actually, no. I think the, they were in a neighboring school, but... Like that. This is John's curriculum. Like uh, you know, like I have to be honest. Like I, I've been in the practice room with them many times. Like everything they do is is John, man. I'm telling you. Like there's not there's not a movement in there that's not him. He, he he's incredible. He's an incredible trainer. He is incredible. And how ironic is it? What's going on here? Oh, here yeah, there it here is. It is. Polaris twelve, one hundred three kilogram catch weight. What is that? Two. What is that? A weight? Two twenty. Two twenty. Two ten. Is that what it is? But it's 2.2 for... Oh, that's soon. Yeah. 4.3 times 2 is about 9, 10. So 103... 4.5 times 2 is 9. Okay. Because so, like so Rockhold, when he fought at light heavyweight, I wonder how much weight he cut to get to 205. That's interesting, though. 30th of November. Okay, that's real fucking soon, man. A couple days. A few days. Yeah. Oh, it's on UFC Fight Pass. Oh, Again. shit. <laughs> Sunday, I think. This Sunday. Oh, shit. You got to watch it. I'm, def I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm going to be in mm -hmm. Hawaii. Are you? Yeah, man. Cool. Um, there's got to be a, a, a competitor. Like, is there is there anybody that's like close to, to putting out that kind of talent that quickly? Because it seems that like quickly, usually no. that's no. crazy. It seems like usually when someone comes along like that, then uh, others rise as well. You know, other mm. people recognize. It'll happen. It'll happen. People will go down, see what he's doing, try to figure it out, you know. It's crazy that there's also a guy. Yeah. Look at these guys. Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's are. Kevin. There's <laughs> Kevin, yeah. Look at this size of Nicky Rodriguez. This is a fucking uh, a huge monster. fella. But what's crazy is that, like, John Donaher has his fucked up knee and a fucked up hip, and he's teaching people how to fuck people's knees up. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> It's poetic, weird. but it is, it yeah. is the case. It's weird. So back to Dominic Reyes and uh, John Jones. What do you think about that fight? Depends which John Jones shows up. Like, is he motivated to train? Because if you underestimate Reyes, you're gonna lose. Because not he's human, John. You know, like especially yeah. his last fight, we saw he's human. You know, um, everybody obviously is, but he's got to take this guy seriously. Because the thing is, you're undefeated. You have this allure to you. You can't be beaten, and all of a sudden, somebody beats you. How many times have we seen that? Like the Ronda Rousey fight. Like one day it's gonna happen to you, and yeah. th that's sort of one thing I think that made George great because George was always scared of that day, and I used to always put it in his ear. Oh, look at this champ! Everybody thought he was undefeated, then he lost. Like we'd always talk about these things, mm. and that day is always around the corner. You got to get up before that day comes because that day it's gonna happen. Everybody has expiry date, mm. and I feel like you know Reyes is a, is, a, is a serious contender. He really is, yeah, <laughs> and he's got lightning fast hands. That that counter punch that he knocked out Weidman with, like holy shit, and finishes him on the ground with hammer fists. Like, but I was saying that I just think there should be more weight classes. I really do. I think the jump between eighty five and two hundred five is just too giant. Twenty pounds. Is I would so love much to weight. see lightweight, super lightweight, welterweight, mm -hmm. super welterweight. Yeah. Like, give us. There's gonna be so many interesting fights. Yes. Yeah. I think it should be every ten pounds. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. In boxing, it varies sometimes four, seven. It depends on the weight class. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having a 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, and do it like that. Yeah, and let guys fight in different divisions. Yeah. Like, I can fight two divisions. I can yes. sign for two divisions. Yes. Why not? Why not? There's going to be so many great fights to make. 
I think they have this idea that there'll be too many champions, but I just so what? completely disagree. So they what? just made a belt for the baddest yeah. motherfucker they in needed the world. A, they yeah. needed another title fight for that card. Yes. You can't get these two champions to agree. They both have a title. Yeah. Because originally it was supposed to be Usman and Kobe, yep. if, I, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. You can't get them to agree for whatever reason. Well, we're going to have this other title fight. You have to have a title fight in New York. Yes. It has to be a good one. Trump is coming. You know, you got to have something really amazing. <laughs> You Trump do. Is coming. You do. You can't have like a regular three round fight. <gasps> yeah, true. Trump is you gotta coming. Have, That's you gotta so have funny. something, you know. Yeah. Trump is coming. We need yeah. a title fight. <laughs> you need something special. <laughs> it's New York City, man. It's it New York City. That's the thing. It's like it's New York City. When you're in Madison Square Garden, it's not just a fight, it's where you are. It's history. Yeah. You're you gotta in, bring your A game, you know? You gotta make in, it something legendary. You gotta make it something historical. That's true. Yeah, you're in the most iconic arena in combat sports history, and that's the spot. I mean, that place has been around forever. It feels different when you're in there, too. It really does. It's So for Kevin to win that fight by head kick KO <sighs> and come back and do it in Madison Square, how happy were you, man? Oh, man, I was super happy. <laughs> <laughs> you're happy just thinking about it. Everybody thought he was going to miss weight. Everybody thought he was going to lose. Like mm. Everybody picked Gregor. Dangerous fight. Yeah, it's a very dangerous fight. And, Gregor and was the, undefeated, and phenomenal that, wrestler. During that camp, the last two weeks, he Kevin pops his ankle. Did he really? Yeah, really badly. So I was like, oh, man, the fights might be off. You know, like, it was really bad. Then the next day, he comes in limping in. He's like, I'm going to keep training. I'm like, whoa, man, like, he's really limping. That Friday, he sparred again, but I told him, like, you got to put on an ankle brace. Because it was really bad. Then he hurts himself again Friday. Same ankle? Same ankle, same injury. Like, it was so, te it was so, uh, the, in the injury was still really, really bad. Like, he shouldn't have been sparring, but I couldn't stop him. Like, he really wanted to keep training. Wow. I was like, maybe you should take Friday off. No, 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 coach, I'm okay. He told me, oh, don't worry, I don't feel anything. I see him limping around. He's like, uh, I'll warm up, I'll be okay. He's a very tough kid. And look, th this is what it takes sometimes. You know, you want to win a big fight, you have to work through these kind of things. And uh, he hurts himself a second time. And I'm like, Shh, you know, this is tough. And uh, PI, the, the Performance Institute helped him a lot. They checked it. They said it's still, uh, you know, it's 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 mechanically sound. It's just kind of like no 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 key ligaments are broken or anything like that. And he ended up winning with a head kick with that bad ankle. Oh wow! Yeah, that was his bad ankle. But it was a, it was a scary injury we had in practice. You know how it is in practice. Yeah. Like sometimes you, you could be as safe as you want to be. No. But uh, I mean, oh, fighter, fighters when they get in there, a lot of times they're already injured. Oh yeah. You, you're not a hundred percent when you're in there. You got a wrist. You got a neck. You got something. But this is one. This one was really bad. This was this was really bad. I was like, he's like, no, listen, I made the decision. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through with it. I'm like, okay. So what was your like week of the fight? Uh, he was a lot better by then, but still, I was worried about it because so, it's not as stable as it should be. Oh wow! Did he tape it up or anything? No, I don't think we're allowed. I asked, and we're not allowed to tape. Why can you not tape? I don't know. But you could tape your wrists, the gauze, and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Why does it, How come you can't tape your ankle? I don't know. That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many goofy rules, man. Yeah. Yeah. If you got an injury, I wonder why. Uh, you remember when Sakuraba used to fight? Yeah, with his knee. It's, his knees were like mummified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were covered mm. halfway up his thigh, mm. all the way down his calf. Mm. He used to have the most crazy knee wraps ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Sakuraba was a, a leg lock specialist too. He probably mangled his knees in training. You know, and all the fights and all the training. I heard remember, he smokes and drinks before smokes practice. Smokes and, and drink drinks. Before practice. Yes. He didn't give a fuck. Cigarettes. Do you remember when he fought Conan Silvera? And they made yes. him fight again. He fought twice in the same day. They fought. They fought. John McCarthy stopped the fight. Conan <laughs> hit him with an uppercut. And Sakuraba jumped, jumped mm. down, grabbed a hold of an mm. ankle, was fighting for a takedown. And John had already stopped yeah, the fight because yeah. he thought yeah. that 
He thought Sakuraba <laughs> went out. So they're in Japan. Mm. Everybody goes crazy, mm. right? They, this was the same year. This is the same fight where Frank Shamrock submitted Kevin Jackson. Remember? Oh, yeah, the armbar. Remember bar. that? The Beautiful armbar arm with shoes on. The fastest armbar in history yeah. of armbars. Was it? I don't know. It looked fast. One looked of them. As yeah. soon as he took him down, armbar. Boom, armbar, yeah. So he fights again and then yes. submits Conan. They We're come like, out of the locker room. Let's yeah. fight. Then they fought again, like one fight later. And so when they fight again, Sakuraba gets him in an armbar and makes him tap. And we're like, what? A Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt tapped? Like, no one thought that Conan would tap. Like, this is crazy. Sakuraba was so special. Oh, my God. This generation that didn't get to watch him fight has to go back and look at those fights. Oh, they have to go back. There was something so special about him. Yeah. I don't know what it was. And look, I love the Gracies, and he was beating the Gracies, and I, we, we couldn't help but like him. You called him the Gracie Hunter, remember? Yeah. Remember when he broke Henzo's arm? Yes, yes, yeah. the Kimura. Yep, yeah, 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 Kimura snapped his and arm. Hanzo was winning that fight. Yeah. It just yeah. came down to the last little well, exchange. Well, in that scramble, Henzo's arm just was, look at that. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. Look at that. Yeah. That is fucking nasty. Henzo beat him after in Metamoris, a grappling match. Oh, that's right. And Halleck beat him in the MMA. Halleck Gracie went oh, back Oh, that's to, right. That was very that's gutsy right. of Halleck. That's right. So, you know, I'm going to go yeah. fight this Gracie Hunter. You know who dismantled him? Who? Mayhem Miller. Really? Mayhem Miller, oh, when he was in his prime, when Mayhem Miller went over and fought in, he fought in uh, Pride when he was in his prime, mm. and uh, when he was really a contender, mm. and he systematically broke Sakuraba down, beat the shit out of him, and submitted him. He's a very tough guy. Uh, he uh, was fucking Miller. good, man, for a while. Look at him there, throwing a peace sign up. Yeah, he was always a crazy guy. Well, he was huh? always a crazy guy, and then, you know, like, legit problems after mm, that i imagine as and then after the bisping fight you know then he had even more legit problems but mm. in that fight man he was on point he beat the fuck out of sakuraba the scariest loss though that sakuraba ever had well there's three scary losses the two to vandalay they were both terrifying he got really fucked up by vandalay but then <sighs> melvin manhoof melvin manhoof mm. beat the fuck out of him with soccer kicks on the ground and all that crazy shit Back when Melvin was Melvin, just mm. Melvin. Remember what ha that guy was built like? Oh my goodness! Like fucking like a superhero. Didn't look like a real person. I've seen him fight live. Like man, the guy's a savage. Woo, he's fast. The remember when he knocked out Mark Hunt with one punch? Did he knock? Oh yes, my he God, was a hundred and eighty-five pounds, and he oh knocked out Mark Hunt with one this fucking is a, a punch. Kickboxing fight though, right? Was it? Uh, no, was it, it was MMA. MMA? No, look at Melvin. Jesus Christ, he was, he was coming with those gl gladiator shorts on. Those uh, those the gladiator frill shorts. He fucked mm. him up. That's not uh, Sakuraba though. No, he, that's someone else he's fighting. The the greatest fight, one of the greatest, the, the greatest comeback fight I've ever seen in my life was K1 Heroes Sakuraba. He's getting beat up by this Lithuanian guy. I, I don't even know the guy's name. And we're we're in Japan. We're watching it's the main event. Here, put put this ahead to the actual fight here. But back it up a little. Back it up. Back it up. Back it up. It's a real quick fight, man. It happens in like no, no, no. Go like where the K is. See the no. See where it says uh, two point three point seven X, three point seven K with a thumb up. The first thumb up. Go like. to that part. Right there. Bam. Right there. Click there. Click there. Yeah. But well, it's right before it gets fighting. They're right about to. His he's coach got a dog collar on. Yeah, he bring him out on a leash. His coach. Yeah, <laughs> he had a dog collar on. He was with Mike's gym. Oh my goodness. Yeah, scoot up. A, no, right there is good. Right there is good. When you see them, so they're they're fighting off, and so Mark Hunt charges at him, and when Mark Hunt charges at him, Melvin just catches him while he's coming in. So they exchange a little bit here on the feet, just a little bit of moving around. Mark Hunt's so much bigger than him, man. Mark Hunt might be a hundred pounds bigger than him. No bullshit. Mm. 
It easily could be 290. Easily. And a tank. Look at this. Boom! Ooh. One shot. I mean, come on, son. Who the fuck knocks out Mark Hunt with one punch? It's crazy. That's crazy. He was so fucking fast, man. So fucking fast. There's a, there's but, a K1 Heroes fight. Sakuraba fights a, a Lithuanian guy. An unknown guy. And this guy's beating the hell out of Sakuraba. Oh, I'm I saw that fight. He yes. is beating. I'm like, stop. Terrifying. Man. Stop this fight. Yeah, and he's, he's between the ropes and a Lithuanian guy is just, and we're like, God. And the Japanese people just believe in him so much. They know he's going to make it out of there. And he comes up, comes back to life, starts winning. <laughs> we're like, what the? And then he armors this Lithuanian guy. And then they throw up the, the confetti, the confetti yes. and everybody's like, I'm like, the Japanese people just believe this <laughs> yeah, is it. Yeah, look at that. Boom. I'm like, stop this fight. Man. I'm, I'm, in, I'm live here. I'm in the stands. I'm yeah, in the, I'm a fighter. Like he's I'm getting like, punched in the back oh, this of the is head so bad. and everything. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, stop the fight. No, right. no, no. Not going to stop the fight. Not going to stop the fight. Crazy. Wait a second. Oh, no, they want to bring him back in the ring. Yep. Oh, he's out of yep. bounds. Okay. And this guy, <laughs> think, yeah, he's punched him while the referee's got a hold Before he even said good, go. Hammer fisted him. This is one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it makes you think there's no way Sakuraba's going to survive here. There's no way. And he keeps moving, and this guy keeps punching him. Yeah, this is crazy. And, and standing get, up, too. He was knocking yep. him around. And he's hammering the back of his head. Well, Sakuraba was just, he had no quit in him, you know, like none. And sometimes that was horrible to watch because he would wind up getting beat up. Mm. Look at his leg. Like, look at that fucking right leg, how much it's taped up. It's crazy. This guy's holding the fence, too. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, eventually the, gets the him down. Scoot up a little bit there, Jamie. Yeah. It goes on for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, this is a beating. It I'm does. You, this is a beating. This is a beating. And, and the, the Lithuanian guy beats him up standing, too. Yeah, he blew his wad. Yeah, yeah he, he got exhausted. He got too tired here. And then eventually Sakurai catches him. Look at these uppercuts. The audience is going the nuts. The crowd oh, the was, guy was going done. You can berserk. see how tired he was. Berserk. The crowd was losing it at this point. Yeah. They believe in him so much. When he lost the first time, he was like, oh, look, I'm happy now that the weight is off my shoulders. You know, the Japanese people, now they know I can lose. And like, right. he had too much pressure on him. They always expect him to win. Scoot ahead. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Same mounts him. Incredible. Takes it. That's how he finished Conan too. Same yeah. same move. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, there's another great come from behind with Melvin when Melvin fought Robbie Lawler. You remember that fight? Oh my god, that's one of the greatest <laughs> fights ever. That's one of the greatest Melvin fights was ever. Fucking Robbie Lawler's legs up and then yeah. Robbie Lawler hit him with a haymaker. This is one of the most legendary and, and cyborg Ooh, when he fought cyborg. Melvin, yeah, yeah. Remember this one? Yes, 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 yeah. That was horrendous too. I think the, <laughs> the craziest knockout I ever saw was Michael Venom Page versus Cyborg when he caved oh his head in. Oh my god. That was horrific. Yeah. In all the years I've seen fights, yeah, I've never seen yeah, a guy no, get his no. head literally caved in from a knee. You know what? When you knock a guy out like that, you don't dance. Like right. I, I feel like like after Kevin knocked out Gillespie, I don't take a knee. Right. Like, take a, like right. this kid's still down. Down for a long time. Yeah. He yeah. took a knee. See, you have to respect the guy. We don't know. Like if the guy is revived, okay, I understand. You want to celebrate. I get it. But yeah. sometimes you know, like this guy's injured. I don't think anybody thought that he was going to be injured like that, though. We, I'd never seen a guy's forehead mm. crushed. But it, when he went down, it wasn't he wasn't right. Obviously, no. like you could tell. Well, the other thing was Cyborg was saying like he wants a fight again in three months, and they're like, "Hey, dude, he doesn't know where he is." Yeah, 
He lives well, in the West. No, like a couple weeks later. Yeah, but he, he, yeah, it's probably still right. He's he's got so many demons in his mind after that. He doesn't oh, know what's going on. Yeah, right. I like, mean, remember the X-ray? Oh, it's like you see it and you go, "Oh no!" Oh man, it's hard when your face gets bro- like you know when your face gets broken like that. When all your your bone like there's got to be some he- like Sage when Sage fought Cosmo Alexander, which is another ridiculous fight. Cosmo's that, that was hard for me to watch. Oof, very hard. Very hard. Very hard because uh, I like the kid. He's a really good kid, Sage. Yeah, really nice kid. good kid. But doesn't belong in a ring with Cosmo. No, not that's, yet. That's the honest truth. Yeah, yeah. not yet. No. Especially in a ring like a, like a, a tight. Right. Like I like karate in the big thirty foot octagon. I like yes. karate. Yeah. You got the room to breathe here. In a small ring, it's harder to do karate. It's just harder. Well, also, Cosmo is a world champion. Oh, my goodness. The guy's a killer. Yeah, really. The guy's seasoned, a killer. Season striker, and he's quite a bit bigger. Too much experience, too, too, too fast, too soon. Yeah. Too fast, too soon. What's the harm of going a little bit lower? Than, like, I'm much lower than that. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather have gone to a fight that I could have done more. Like, I, I could have beat a better guy. They go into a fight where this guy was way too much for me. Like, let me just go up slowly. Yeah. You know, and and see how far I can go, and and then kind of like challenge myself where it makes sense. That fight to me doesn't make sense. Yeah, but that's another one. Like his face was broken in so many different places. <laughs> now they got to put his face back together. Yeah, again. It was it, that could be a fight ending? Like your career could be over. Like fighting career. Yes, could be over. You can never, never yeah. fight again. He's gonna go back to one fifty five. He said, "I learned my lesson." Okay, mm, but you know what? I, I don't like injuries like that. Like no. he was in surgery for like eighteen hours or something like that. Like I mean, this is too much. Like you gotta be, you gotta, you miscalculated here. It can yeah. happen to anybody, but at least if I had done it in my weight class against somebody you know my yeah. level, and it just happened, okay, fine. But that was asking for that. That's a that's a horrific one. What do you think about One FC's desire to stop weight cutting? Oh, I love this idea. I do as well. <sighs> What's weight cutting? What does that mean? It's cheating. What what is it? Sanctioned cheating. We have to weigh the same. Yeah. And we fight each other. Why yeah. do we have to go through a weight cut? Right. It Why should be pretending that you weigh less than you weigh. Yeah. You weigh 170 for 15 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. The weigh in is about we want two guys of the same size to fight each other. Yeah. And now guys found a way around the rules. The and now everybody has to do it because otherwise It's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. But when Kevin went up to 170, it just didn't seem right for him. Mm. Those guys No. They're naturally bigger. Yeah. And they're doing the same thing that he was doing to get to 155, but now he's not doing that thing anymore. And it also seemed like he got tired quick, but also he wasn't with you. Mm. You need, I really believe this. And this is one of the things that I said to him, you need a maestro. You need a conductor. You need someone, someone that can, that's an honest assessor. Someone who can look at your overall game, figure out what you're doing, find the flaws, be honest with you, and then tell you when to ramp it up and when to slow it down and just have an, and as someone who's been there, yeah if you don't have that man so it's just yeah. so hard to do all that shit by yourself there's so many things to think about to have there's that. so much to yeah. think about too much almost right yeah and everybody has an opinion so i always tell people okay show me just get in the ring and show me your opinion is correct i'll i'll, right. I'll change my opinion if you could show me so that's why like sometimes i work with trainers and they have these crazy ideas i just tell them okay train some young kid i have these young kids train them show me your philosophy I get I get trainers all the time that want to show me something, and I always I always entertain them, always. Mm. Come show me, do a demonstration, but it can't be theoretical. Like one time I had this guy who had this way of making me stronger, like through like a physical therapy. So I I said okay, let's do let me do my max set of pull ups, and we did I did like fifteen or something, 
And then we did his treatment and I went back to the pull-up bar and I did 15. I wasn't stronger. Like I, I wanted to test this theory. Like and it, there was nothing that made me, it didn't make me stronger. I'm just as strong as I was after, before the. Uh, there's a after, lot of those physical therapy lot. guys. That, like I'm doing some nerve activation. Yes, there's something yes. I'm doing with your, yes. I'm going to dig in your scapula with my knuckles and it's going to. But <laughs> listen, I like to entertain them. Who knows? Maybe the guy, maybe the guy might know something. Well, the, what's interesting is sometimes the placebo effect catches on, and they'll mm. work with one fighter, mm. and the fighter will go, "Dude, the guy fixed my neck." Yes. And then other guys will be like, "Really? He and fixed then all your of neck? a sudden, and the next thing you know, this guy's got a business going. Yeah. And he's you know standing on people's backs. And oh God. Doing voodoo. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen this too. I've seen it. Oh man, I've seen it. I don't want to say names, but I've seen it. I don't want to say man. names either, but I've seen a lot of it. And I, there's one guy that was going through a bunch of different fighters. Yes, and I yes, went, yes, yes. I, I went and did it with him, and I was like, mm. "What are you doing?" Yeah. And this is at the, after 15, <laughs> 20 minutes of questioning, right? So I'm asking him all these questions. Yeah. He basically said, "Well, you know how the placebo effect works, right?" And I said, "Well, it works because you think it works, right?" He goes, "Yes." He goes, "The same thing." I go, "So it doesn't work." He goes, mm. "No, it does work if you believe in it." I go, "So you're saying?" That you're bullshitting, but if they believe your bullshit, then it's real. Is that what you're saying? And like we had this, like, I trapped him mm. with this long mm, conversation mm, about this. I wouldn't let it go. Yes. I was like, I want to know what you're doing. Yeah, like you tell me what you're doing. Mm. Like you just you're fucking pushing on people's back and pretending mm. you're fixing their eyesight. Yeah, this is fucking crazy. Oh, it's nuts. But there's a lot of that out there because fighters want any kind of edge, whether it's cupping or acupuncture. Bro, once I, once I got started doing Thai massage, my game changed. And if you believe your game changes, mm. sometimes your game does change. You know? You got to test, measure, retest. There's no measuring. Yes. It's like, you know that, that uh, Game Changers documentary? Mm -hmm. The guy's doing the battle ropes now one hour. Right. We ate carrots. Yeah, you went from eight minutes to an hour. You know why people stop after eight minutes? Because they're bored of doing battle rope for longer than eight minutes. Like, yeah. who does battle rope for for more than eight minutes? That's just, that's just crazy. If I give you something, if I mot if I tell you, Joe, you got to do battle rope for an hour, and I'll give you a million bucks. I guarantee you're going to do a battle rope for for an hour. Like, it's it's you could slow down the pace. Like, yeah. It's not measured. It's not measured. If I put right. you on a treadmill and you tell me, look, I can do uh, twelve miles an hour for one hour, I'm like, I'll be like on an incline. I'll, I'll be like, wow, that's that's measurable. Right, right, right. Battle rope, you can slow down. You can, you can kind of like, you know, you can, you can relax your muscles. You're not putting as much wattage out. The reason why you went for an hour is because we're not measuring how much output you're doing. Yes, yes. You know, you can, you can. Like, there, there's a reward for going an hour. You know, you're doing a documentary. Like, there's all these things that are not controlled. Yes. And uh, there's so much of that in training. There's yeah. just so much of that. Everything, there's a voodoo thing out there. Yeah. And uh, you're playing with your career too. You know, you got to be careful with the voodoo stuff. You have to be very, very careful. Like, but the thing is also you got to be open-minded because sometimes people do find real things that actually work. Not, I'm not talking about like massage and stuff like that. I haven't seen it. But uh, Meditation. Like, yeah, visualization. I believe mm -hmm. these things can make a difference, but yes. there's also a lot of concrete evidence on these. Yes. A lot of concrete evidence. Especially meditation and visualization. Yes. Visualization, there's actually evidence that sometimes it's as effective or more effective than actual training in certain sports. Like so they they think about one specific type of motion, like throwing a baseball or something like that. And you could argue that if you just really visualize throwing that baseball over and over again, 
and then get motivated and maybe even allow your muscles to heal so you're not throwing the ball mm-hmm. as much, but you understand the motion better. Because there's also like the there's a point of diminishing returns where you're training too much so yes. your body breaks down, but yet you still think mm-hmm. about it and you want to mm-hmm. do it, and then you go overboard and then your tissue doesn't recover in time, and then you train again and you're in a compromised state. Whereas if you trained less but visualized the extra time. Have you ever heard of uh, Lenny Basham? Mm, I don't know. Why does it sound familiar? He's a he's a what do you call the skeet shooting champion? Oh, okay, gold medalist, silver and gold, and his son is also world champion. And he has a whole system on how to train, and he does a lot. He's super heavy on visualization, like mega he- heavy. And he used to train six hours a day visually. Whoa! Yeah, like an extreme experiment. And Whoa. he went from silver to gold. Like he's a very fascinating guy. He has a whole system. He he wrote a great book called With Winning in Mind, one of the best books in the game. Oh, I'm gonna write that down. With winning in mind, yeah, and it's all about visualizing. He yes, absolutely. That's it's, crazy. His, it's his journey in like, he basically he talks about how everybody has a, uh, has a self image, and you live up to your self image. So he has this thing where like let's say he does something good in practice. Let's say you did a, a you landed a good throw in practice or a submission. He would tell himself he'll give him a cue. That's me. That's me. If he did something wrong in practice, he would visualize it him doing it right, and he'd be like that's me. So he's building his self image. So then he says, because he says like guys when they're under the the lights, they, the guys who screw up, the guys who choke, is because they did, couldn't visualize themselves as a winner. Mm. They couldn't, but he's not talking about visualizing yourself raising your hand. He's talking about visualizing the process of winning, like actually doing every step, so that you're telling your subconscious mind, this is where you're going. Like he's he's leading. Like he has a very interesting system, and I think it it makes a lot of sense because guys who relive the bad in practice. Those are the guys who are going to screw up again. How do you spell his name? Uh, Laney Basham. It's B A S E H. No, S H S H A M. S S S S H A M. Yeah. And how do you spell his first name? Lenny. Laney. 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 Yeah, this guy's awesome. L A N N Y. Wow, what a crazy name. Yeah. Lanny Bassham. That's a good way to remember him. And Y. All right, man. You know what? When I go on vacation, I might get that book and put it on the Kindle. Yeah, you can that's, get the audio too. Oh, it's got audio. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I like that, man. I like um, because visualization, particularly, have you visualized in the isolation tank before? Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. Mm. That's like visualization squared mm. because you can you can imagine yourself going through mm. movements. You could see them, you know, and without. When your body's just floating around in there, you have more access to resources. Your brain sort of works better. You can, you can picture you lose, things better. You lose what's real, what's dream, what's mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. Like, it's all real now. Yeah. Six hours a day pretending you're shooting shit. Yeah. Pating. Yeah. <laughs> and wh- why I believe the system works is because not only was he champion, his son also went through his curriculum and he mm. became a champion. And shooting is a hard sport. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot about getting everything lined up perfectly, squeezing the trigger at the right time. Don't jerk the gun. You know, follow the the clay pigeon. Shtoom, knowing when to pull. Yeah, yeah, it's very mental. So many things are man. Mm. How much when you're training young fighters? How much time do you spend with them, talking to them about how to think? I always tell fighters that far from the fight, it's ninety nine percent physical. We have to go through the routine. We have to drill. We have to make these skills instinctual. Closer we are to the fight, like the week of the fight, now it's 99% mental. I can't train you no more. I can't make you go back into recovery. 
Mm. The fight's coming this week. So as the, we get closer to the fight, it becomes more and more mental. Do you tell them to stay off social media the week of the fight? Uh, some of them, <laughs> some of them. That's that's how they let their energy go. <laughs> I know, but it's so nuts. Yeah, you see fighters three days out fighting oh, with people God. on Twitter. I'm like, what are you but doing? But some people man? are like that. That's how they vent. Yeah, me, I'm not like that. Me, I like you don't see me. I have, I have a YouTube channel, but everything else, I don't do too much social media. Smart. Yeah. But some people they vent, some people they feel like it's how they connect. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if it's gonna help them or hurt them. But I like to, I like them to be surrounded with the training partners before the fight. Just training partners, like least amount of public as possible. That's how I like to do it. Mm. But if the guy feels comfortable with his wife and daughter and there, uh, that's up to him. But I feel like when you're going to war, I wouldn't bring my family to war. Right. That's how like me and George used to look at it. We're going to war. Don't bring your family, your kids. Like, yeah. who wants his kid? Like, so I know some fighters do, but I wouldn't want my child in the arena when I'm fighting. Right. Because I'll be thinking about them. Well, I remember watching the fight this weekend with uh, Luis Ortiz mm. and Wilder. When you know when you see Luis Ortiz's family sitting there watching, mm. and then Wilder starches them. Like, oh, yeah, it makes you think. Yeah, we can handle it. The family, yeah. maybe they right. can't. Right. You know, maybe that kid now. Right. Is scarred. Right. I've seen a guy br walk his son to the fight, like walk, like an infant, like a five-year-old. Yeah. Bring him to the, this is like a local fight. Bring him to the corner, like VIP seating. He gets knocked out really bad. This kid's five years old watching his dad, like totally out. Oh. And people are cheering and shh. It's like, yeah, why'd you bring your son here? Like, we're not here to, you know, well, we're not here to play it's games. Also, it's also a distraction. Yeah. It's a distraction yeah, whether you, you like it or not. You have yeah, to think about exactly. the kid. You're holding the kid's hand. It's ridiculous. You know, and by the way, the universe doesn't give a fuck if you're holding <laughs> your kid's hand. If you didn't practice correctly and if you're not skilled enough, you're going to get hit. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not if you're not as good as the person you're fighting, your kid's going to watch you get starched. Mm. I think this is, a, this is a very bad strategy. Like, it could be yeah. a child abuse too. Like, just leave the In kid. This is not their arena. Yeah. This is not for them. It can fuck your kid's head up. Me, I don't let my kids watch fights where they know the people fighting. Oh, not live anyway. Not live. Unless, okay, if it went well, let's say it's a sub, I'll let them watch. But I don't let them watch live. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, they know that person. They see that person regularly. You yeah. know? I tell my wife, don't, don't, when the fights are going on, let them go play, put them in another room. Like, mm -hmm. don't let them watch these fights. You know, because you never know. Yeah, my kids started coming into the room to watch when I was watching fights on TV when they were like six, six or seven. And I have to tell them, I don't know if you're ready to watch this. Yeah. This is not good. Yeah. And I'm like, these people are hurting each other. So why are they hurting each other, daddy? <laughs> I'm like, this is a fight. They're fighting. Mm. And she's like, why do you tell these people? Do you do the commentator so you tell the people what's happening? I go, I explain. I explain what's happening. She goes, do you like it when they beat each other up? <laughs> I'm like, it's complicated. If the, uh, the, it is complicated like uh, it's a for me the hardest thing is if i really know someone and i like them watch mm. them get fucked up mm. and then also being excited about the guy who fucked them up mm. it's really hard that's yeah. that's really hard to do i remember uh when uh, Mashida knocked out um marco uh uh i'm forgetting his name now the the founder of rain mma uh, munoz Oh, and how he treated him after he picked yes, him up. Yes, he bowed to him. He hugged him. And yeah, he, like this Left was high kick. Yeah, this made me feel better. And I was like, you know what? We're, yeah. we're not trying to hurt people here. Right. Like, this is just. Well, they were just friends too. That was yeah. a weird one. That was a weird one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there was a respect, mm -hmm. and I don't. I want to hurt you more than I have to. And right. this, this was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Well, Machida had some great moments like that, man. Yeah. Had, now is George done? Like, what is he doing? <sighs> how often does he train? <sighs> All the time, man. All the time. It's a machine. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. I believe if Usman it, or Kobe gets injured, like, 
Really? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to talk for George, but man, he can ki- he can kill anybody. He wow. can kill anybody. This man, he's the world's greatest martial artist. Really? I think so. I'm telling you, he's a monster. Like I was just training with him Saturday. The guy's an animal. Well, you know what? When he came back and fought Bisping, I was like, man, this is going to be interesting to see. And he came back and he looked fucking better than ever. Mm. His hands look great. His kicks look perfect. Mm. Everything. And that rear naked choke was one of the best rear naked chokes to win a title I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Because it wasn't this one with the palm no. on the back of the head. It was cinched yeah. up. It was mm. rock solid. <laughs> and his jujitsu looks so fucking sharp, man. Yeah. It's like it, he clearly showed that he had been training the whole mm. time that even though he hadn't fought in those years he had been training hard he looked better he loves to train like saturday he, he trained he finished all his rounds then he was coaching some blue belts and purple belts and just kind of hanging out with them talking technique the guy loves this stuff man he just but that's why i tell people if you love something him. you'll do a lot I'm of i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> knowledge is power uh, He's such a nutcase, George. He's oh, crazy. He's he's he, great. He always tells me like so many crazy characters in MMA. Like, so, I'm like, yeah, Dude, like you're you, the, bro. <laughs> you're the craziest one of all. No, I'm he no. He thinks mo- aliens are stealing oh, his time. Oh my god, <laughs> dude. I I show a hotel room with him many times. He puts a foam roller against the door like this. Why does he do that? I'm like George. Why? Like I moved it. You know, I put it away. Right. No, bro. Leave it there. I'm like for what? In case the aliens get us. <laughs> <laughs> he'll know the next day he'll know because the foam roller was moved oh jesus christ doesn't he think aliens can come through walls how are they taking him he, out they're he, just taking him through the hallway and holding his hand because they wipe his memory after but he'll ah. know because they don't know he put the foam roller there so when they move it when they move it he'll remember it's a cue for him to remember not nah. what if he's right what if the oh, aliens sure really are right. experimenting on him <laughs> What if they really come down? They say this is the world's greatest martial <laughs> artist. We are going to run tests on him. Uh, he's awesome, man. I don't know what to say about his mind. And he's got to be like thirty-seven now, right? Yeah, he's older. Is he thirty-eight? Thirty-eight now. 38? Yeah, thirty-eight. Does he have like a thought in mind of like when he's going to definitely like throw it in, or is he just? <laughs> it has to be, in my opinion, it's going to have to be. I don't want to talk for him, okay? But I think the thing that's going to motivate him is a mega fight. Right. Like he doesn't want to be champion again and fight every three, four months. Like that's done. Right. That's not gonna happen no more. Uh. But one mega fight, invite him back for a mega fight. See if you can entice him because he's a competitor, man. He's still training. He's still in sh- ripped, shredded, fighting. Uh, he could do five rounds. I mean, like he, maybe not he could do five rounds right away, but he needs a few weeks. Then he's doing five rounds. Like he, he's close to being, like he can get in fight shape. He's wow. there. You know, he's just a monster, man. I'm telling you, like he's he's a very young 38 year old. Like I would if you, I would tell you he's 20 years old. Really? Yeah. He's in like, that good of shape. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? He's a monster. That's crazy that he kept the dis. A lot of the guys they stop fighting and they he just lose it. that discipline. They just he don't want to train anymore. He loves it. Well, that's what's important about George is that he's a martial artist. He's always mm. been a martial artist, you know, and that that desire to learn and that the enjoying the training and the struggle. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's, to him, it's, it's it's happy for me too. When I go Why to the gym, doesn't the UFC taunt him? I don't Why know. don't they say, George, we got a fight for you, buddy? Khabib. Yeah. Well, listen, that would be well. First of all, I want to see Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. Yes, no yes, offense. yes, yes, yes. What no, is it? Has Dana White, UFC targeting Khabib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson for April. Oh, must happen. Must. Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Oh shit! That means Brooklyn. I'm, that means I'm going back to Peter Luger Steakhouse. April 18th, that's that's a good fight. I like that fight. I like that fight a lot. Please, Tony, don't fall down and hurt your knee. <laughs> Please, baby Jesus, make this happen. This is happen. the fifth. 
time they book them. Is it that many times? Fifth time. Oh my god. Five. Four if times. If it doesn't happen, I gotta oh, think no, forget about some it. fucking bad. Listen, there's some bad voodoo on this one. <laughs> if this one doesn't happen, because they both pulled out twice on each side. That's so crazy. Injury, Please. this, that. Please. One of them was the day before, the day of the win. I think there was a pull out. April, yes, make it happen. Wow. Come on. That's Dude, gotta happen. Fuck yeah. Whoever wins that is the greatest lightweight of all time. Um, it's a good argument for Can it. you argue against no, that? I mean, no, I mean, Tony's had an incredible streak. Incredible. I mean, look like at He his, never lost his title. No. And the only fight he lost, he broke his arm. He lost mm. to Michael Johnson. A long time ago. Broke his arm yep. and then finished the fight and lost a decision. Mm. But I think he blocked a kick, snapped his forearm. That guy has freakish cardio. Amazing. Freakish. Never, Ama- amazing. I mean, he goes back to the corner. Not even breathing heavy. His opponent's exhausted. The opponent's face looks like it's gone through a fucking meat grinder. I mean, wh- what is in his fucking knuckles, man? That guy punches people and just breaks their face apart. It's crazy. It's Never insane. gets tired. Com- tremendous, tremendous submission game. Tremendous striking game and very awkward. His striking yes. game is extremely awkward. Yes. Very hard to, f- to read what he's doing. He, he's unpredictable. Yeah. Elbows, knees, spinning, Everything. shooting, rolling on the yep. ground. Super creative. Uh, the way he beat Donald was extremely impressive. Yeah, because Donald's a really good striker. Donald's and he battered him on the feet. I mean, d- d- Donald's <laughs> face was a mess. Round one was close. Yeah. Round one was close. Well, he's feel, feeling him out. Yes, but round two was like, no. wh- what happened now? Like, right. This is just another dimension. Like He just, re- he just jumped ahead. Yep. He just ramped it up. And when he beat up Pettis like that, I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's something special, man. He's something mm. special, and I, I got to see him fight for the title. You know, I mean, and also I was really disagreed with them stripping his interim title because he hurt his knee. Like, come on, man. The guy's doing fucking all this press for you guys. Mm. He falls down in a freak accident and hurts his knee, and you take away the interim title. Injury, man. Yeah. Injury. And in MMA, it's always knees mm-hmm. or shoulders you have to protect. Of right. course, spine. But knees and shoulders, you have to go under the knife. No, it could really alter your career. Yep. ACL, PCL, these things you should never... You should never, like, you should do everything in your power to avoid these. Like, I yeah. think George's career would have been a lot longer. Obviously, it would have been if he didn't have those ACL injuries. What we know today, we could have avoided it. Yeah. But the way we were training, we are doing certain things that were, you know, a little bit crazy. And now today- like what and, kind of things? Like, like, you had Kelly started on the show? Sure. This guy's a genius, man. I'm yeah. telling you. Like, we sent George there. He's amazing. He is amazing. His like book, I, Becoming a Supple Leopard. Oh, my God. Fantastic this book. Is the, I always tell people, this is the greatest- uh, training book in the game people are like oh that's an exaggeration no it's not because form is everything F- if you don't have great form you're gonna get injured like as i get older i realize how important form is like form is everything and he has he has these rules in the book that protect your knee and george was doing this the vulgus fault all his career and i never noticed it until i read his what manual was he doing the what they call it the vulgus what is that it's when you when you jump and your knees bow in oh george yes, yes, always yes, does yes, that yes. i've seen yeah. george do a thousand backflips he's always landing like that yeah his knees bowing in. Yeah. And I was reading the book and I was like, George had an ACL injury already. I was reading the book and I was like, holy moly, I do this fault. George, does, we all do this. He's like, oh, this will tear your ACL. I'm like, what? Really? So I called him up. I'm like, hey, would you work with George? George went there. He corrected him. And we haven't had an injury since. And it's so important because everybody hurts their knee in the game. Everybody, jujitsu guys. And I'm always like telling them, guys, read the book. Guys won't even read the book. It's a picture book. It's super simple. He says there's two things. There's two rules to live by. One is alignment, and the other one, avoid overtension in the muscle. Mm. I, I that's why I I, I bought the, the 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 DMS. You ever heard of DMS? Deep muscle stimulator. So oh, was, okay. That's why I started that thing, that machine. You remember the, 
Mm-hmm. It loosens up the muscle. You never have By a pec way, muscle. T- let's tell everybody about the Tim Tam because I'm a bit a fan of that Tim Tam since you brought it in here. We have one right behind yeah, you. Yeah, See yeah. that one? Yeah. But now there's a new one that's fucking ten times better yes. with heat. Let the me new Tim Tam with heat is incredible. Yeah, bring it out because here's the thing about this too. Uh, it sounds like a commercial, but uh, it's just for you. This is for you. This has nothing to do with selling things. Hear how loud this is. The new one is way quieter. Sounds like I'm doing a Tim Tam commercial. I think I am. But listen. Listen how much quieter that is. Right next to it. Same thing. That's one. And here's the other one. Ready? Here's the other one. See? Dude. Much quieter. This thing saved your career. How does it? It keeps going. Yeah, you got to click the trigger finger. Now you're going to run. Yes, three speeds. Oh. Most powerful machine in the game. Oh, I like it. It stays on, too. Yes. Click it one more time. You know, you... That's Ooh. 2,800 RPM, 32 millimeters travel. Oh, plus you know what heat. girls are going to use this for, right? <laughs> they don't need boyfriends anymore. No. Now, you know what would be nice, too? This could sit in a vice, like clamp it, or and then it's lean up out. against like a, like a rack, like it's a, coming a out. monster rack, and like, yes. uh, Coming out 2020. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to have? You can, you can clamp, clamp it on anything, absolutely anything. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's what I need we, that. We have life. a lock trigger. Heat. See that, Jamie? Heat. Dude. It's fucking warm. If you have a tight muscle in your body, you got to kill it. Yeah. Like if your hamstring is tight, you're going to blow your ACL. Yes. If you're, ham- if you're, if you're like, yesterday I, I, I was sitting in an airplane. You know, this is what Kelly Starrett says. He says, I'm telling you, this guy changed my career. He says, look, if you sit in an airplane or in a chair, he has a great book on sitting. Like sitting is the new smoking. Like don't sit all day. Like especially you sit all day. Yeah. You, you got to know how to sit because you, you cripple your back. I don't know how to sit. And it's like, it's like you make, you're making this muscle tight. You know, okay. you and then what happens when you go and do athletics? Your hips are tight. Right. When you're sitting for prolonged hours, you're 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 creating overtension in certain parts of your body. There are rules to sitting. Like I used to sit wrong. My back. I used to have sciatica, horrible sciatica. This guy fixed me up, and I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to train as much as I do if it wasn't for him. Well, I'll tell you what helped me is these fucking chairs. This, these what do you are, got? It's yeah, called, this, they're called Fully. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. I was, oh my god, it's called the Capisco, rather from a company called Fully. Actually, I think they changed the name of the company again. Because I saw it on Instagram. I was like, that's the chair I have. But I don't know. But anyway, these uh, I bought these from my house. Mm. I bought these. Th- these are fucking phenomenal because they force you to sit erect. Yeah, you yeah, know, I've noticed. Yeah, you can't like slump. Mm. If you slump like this. I mean, I used to have like regular office chairs. The way my ass would sit into them, mm. I would slump. And by the end of a podcast, the middle of my back yeah. would be hurting. I'm like, ah. But you know what's the best, in my opinion, is sitting lotus. You know, like when you cross your legs. Mm-hmm. They have chairs that are... There it is. Fully. Yeah, it is fully. It's called the Capisco by, oh, Hag, H-A-G. Capisco by Hag. That's a H with like a weird little thing on top of it. What is that? Is that an actual H? A? The A, rather? What is that? The fuck is that A? Is that a new A? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? A? As in lowercase. Huh. It's Swedish. Swedish. Okay. So it's their version of an A. Cut it out. Cut it out with you fucking extra a but anyway the chair is amazing yeah yeah i used to so lotus a lotus yeah, chair yeah, if you cross your legs like there's a chair it's just a, a bigger platform on the, where you're sitting the cushion is wider and you can mm-hmm. cross your legs like you're in the lotus position yeah that keeps your spine stable that's why he says like you mm. see people who meditate they sit in a particular way and your spine has to be neutral so for me my the ultimate way to sit for me personally like you see the japanese they sit on the floor yeah they cross their like they're in a lotus position and of course a white stance yeah, kind of like that, but yeah, there you go. Now you can relax. 
Oh, you're flexible. Yeah, I do the yoga. Ah, you're very flexible. I came here right from yoga class. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I try to do yoga at least twice a week. Mm. So anyways, he, he, this book, he, t- he talks about all the various faults people do. Like how to create torque in your body. How to put, Man, the guy's he's, he's brilliant. Yeah, he is. I had him on the podcast many, mm. many years ago. Back, back in the early days. I have to have him on again. This would be good to sit like this. It'd be annoying after a while. You'd have to have a wider platform, like a yeah. wider cushion. Then yeah. you can get comfortable and kind of chill. You're, yeah, you're, but even then, I don't know if I could do that for a whole podcast. Maybe barefoot. There, barefoot there's a variety of ways he, he sits. He has a book on just sitting. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, because people get injured because of prolonged sitting. But what do you think about those standing desks? Those are the best. Yeah, you recommend them highly. There's some that have like weird platforms too, where the platforms like moving. What so like they, they wiggle and go back and forth. So you're always standing, kind of funky. This is oh, what he says is the ultimate. He made Fidget this bar? bar, yeah, for standing desks. It's oh. designed by Kelly Starr. Yeah, this is it. This is what you got to do. Like also, he, he, what, he could, do, what is he doing there? Just, he, yeah, go ahead. Just sitting. You can move your leg back and forth. It's like a swing almost. Oh, okay. But like, think of a bar stool. You know, you have a you have a place to put your foot. You have a place to sit, and you can get up. You're almost seat, uh, sitting and and standing every every so often. So there's always this motion, this movement, mm. and uh, you need this mobility because what what happens to a muscle that's just not moving for hours and hours? It gets super tight. So is that just the bar, or does he sell the desk too? That's a standing. That looks like a rigid, solid standing desk. Scroll down, yeah, Jamie, so I can see that. Bar. Scroll down, so I can see that. So that is just something that someone made yeah. to their specific height. Yeah. Yeah. What do you call that bar? And when you're at a bar, the the, the bar, you can put your foot on it. You know, the, there's the bar, and then you can put your foot on the bar. On the bottom of I the I think bar. it's the put this, your foot on it bar. This is what this is what it mimics. Yeah, that makes says, sense. That's what you got to do when you're sitting. Ah, uh, that makes sense. He says like the bar is the best way to sit. Like so, the, a bar under here would be good if I had a bar. If you had a <laughs> yeah, a bar, or I need one of them under my chair. These chairs have it now. They do. Uh, yours might be the older one, but the new ones they sell. Well, what the fuck? I'll just grab the other one. <laughs> well, what the fuck? <laughs> no, um, it does have a thing. There is some sort of a, a bar here. My feet have this oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that so is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're supposed yeah. to sit with your feet yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I think this table maybe is three inches too low. Yeah, low it's or a little too low. Yeah, it's, it's like got to be higher. Banging into my, but yeah. it's perfect for elbow sit. That's actually not bad to sit like that. Mm. Oh yeah, you'll get real comfortable. I kind of like that. Yeah, me when I when I sit, it's always like this. At home, I can't sit any other way. My back's finished. This is actually better. To, I've yeah. never sat. This is actually for me. Mm. It wedges my knees underneath this table. This might be perfect. I'm telling you, me when I when I when I eat at home, I have my. This is how I sit. Really? I can't sit any other way. My back is finished. I'm telling you. Like my back is is healthy now, but if like when I fly, I have to take care of my back as soon as I get to the hotel. I got to keep away all the tension in my my hips, my glutes. Like I have to make sure. What is your issues with your back? Just from training? I have it here. You know, right here. This whole area, I do mm -hmm. whenever I fly. Because I'm sitting down and my right. my muscles just su- get super tight, super super tight. Does your back itself, the spine itself, get tense, or just the lower part uh, near uh, your glutes? I had a bulging disc, L four, L five, gone. Really? Gone. How'd you get that to go away? Um, natural natural decompression. So basically, uh, it's in it's in Kelly Starr's book. You lie down on your back. Mm-hmm. Imagine lying down on your back, and, your, and you raise your legs. And you put them on a platform. Like, let's say I was on the floor and I put my feet up on a... Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, and you put one of those uh, twin uh, lacrosse balls or mm-hmm. one lacrosse ball and you kind of, you, you put it under your back and you just kind of wedge. Mm-hmm. Be- because you're because you're lying down, you're naturally decom- decompressing the spine. Anyways, in his book, he shows you how to take care of your back. I just did those exercises religiously. The problem was it took a long time. That's why I started this thing. 
Mm. This thing I do instead of going to the gym and rolling up and down and for for forty five minutes, I could get it done in five minutes, super right. fast. Pop, 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 I'm done, you know. And uh, you have to do it. Like what, the manager at my gym just popped his his uh, heel cord just by doing a round off. The guy, he's a, he's an ex gymnast. He's always doing round offs in the gym. He's always fooling around. You mean his Achilles tendon? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, he, oh. he, heel cord popped. Oh, he was warmed up. Yeah, he was training for an hour. He's like, oh, let me do a round off. Like he does this like routine. Pops his heel cord. I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't afford that to happen to me. Yeah, that's a like, bad He's one. out for a month. Like he's, it's, it's a crazy surgery. He just did it, and it's a lot of physiotherapy. And like, I, if I did that, it probably destroy my business. Like, I got to be in the gym. You know, I right. got, I got of fighters course. to train. I got people to. Right. Like, I got. I'm too busy to have a heel cord injury. You know, like these, these kind of things can ruin a career. If you get one ACL tear, it's very bad for your career. Mm. If you have two, it could ruin your career. Like George, when it happened the second time, okay, he had the finances and the name. He was already built. He could take a year off. Right. But if he was on the way up. If that happened in the first second or first or second year of his career, his career would have been over. Like I've had fighters have two ACL tears early in their career. Career's over. Why? The guy's been off for a year. So right. now he's going to do it again. And then two years later, his other ACL, because you know, typically your other ACL pops two years later. Mm. Yeah. You know, if you pop your ACL on the right, you're, you're, very, you're a candidate now for the yeah. left. Right. Two years later, pop. Uh, I hope you're rich and famous already. I hope you built your name. I hope you put enough money in the bank because that's a long time to be on the sidelines. Now imagine you have three ACL injuries. You're pretty much done. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot to come back from, man. Like like when George fought Condit, he'd come back from an ACL injury. Man, that was a horrific training camp because it was such a small window. Look, are you okay enough to do the training camp? Some doctors are saying yes, not sure. Uh, well, no. it was such a stressful time because that fight was happening on a particular date. And George has, was making his comeback. I, I would have liked a few more months to get him ready. Like it was a small window to fit in that big fight. And luckily it worked out, but ACL injuries is something very serious. Yeah, I've had both of them done. Yeah? Yeah. <sighs> what was that? What was the recovery like? Not good. No. This one was way harder though. This left one was a patella tendon graft where they cut your own mm. patella tendon mm -hmm. and drill it in and open you up like a fish and screw it in place. This one was a cadaver. This was way easier. This one was six months. I was done. How long was the graph? <laughs> more than a year before it more felt right. More than a year. More than a year, imagine. Yeah, more than a year before it felt right. I could do stuff, but it just always hurt, and I couldn't get on my knees. Mm. Like, if I was uh, if I was on my knees, I was going to, like, start from a, a kneeling position. Mm. It would hurt like hell. Yeah. Just, like, kneeling to pick something up, because they take a chunk of your bone out, yeah. you know, and that, that takes a long time yeah. to feel right. Mm, thank God. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm going to break my seal now, because no, I say this next week. no. I never pop my ACL, thank God. And I, and I think about it all the time. Like, I'm very careful, and I do a lot of leg locks. And my students are leg lockers. Mm. But in the gym, we're very controlled. Like, I don't like guys to crank their leg lock. Hold. Right. Hold, hold three seconds, yes. and that's it. Yeah. In the, and tap in, quick. It, yes. And I, I tap me. I don't care. If somebody grabs me in the leg yeah. lock, tap. Yes. Uh, we do leg lock situation. It's very safe if you, if you have a good culture in the gym. But yes. some guys are just, you know. Sometimes it spazzes. Yeah. And those guys, I don't let them do leg locks or off the mat. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Roddy McGee out of Vegas, he does a lot of work with the UFC fighters. There's a lot of, uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon. They're, they have some new technique where they can reattach ACLs where they don't have to get a cadaver graft anymore. Really? Yeah. Synthetic? They had a, they ha no, no. They, they reattach your own torn ACL. They, mm. they put it back together again. Wow. And they had one, one uh, athlete, I forget what sport it was, but he did it, and then four months after the surgery, competed in the Olympics. Really? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, he showed me videos of this guy, and they showed. He also showed me. Uh, it's like they take the cord, like say as the ACL snaps, so the ligament snaps. They put it back together again. And they have this crazy intricate me method of stitching it all back together again, 
and then it heals up much much faster that way. And I think they do it in conjunction with stem cells. They use stem cells as well mm. to accelerate. I've never heard healing. of that. It's, it's a, a it's a very new thing. I'll I'll connect you to him. You would love great. him. Yeah. He's he's a great. He's been on the podcast before too. Okay. He's a great guy, and he's on the cutting edge. He's always like going to all these different conferences and finding out about these new research projects that have been done on new healing methods and surgery methods and stuff like that he's always on top a young guy very mm. very on top of it but he's worked with a lot of ufc fighters last time i saw uh, francis uh in his office or rather francis and ghana was in there getting some stem cell mm. shots in his arm injuries is the worst man fuck you man. gotta stay away from injuries there's no way <laughs> when you come to tristar the the, the gym is jam-packed and i had one friend of mine an instructor from another province and he's like he came to the gym and he could he was shocked how much students have and I was like, yeah, because here when you come to train, nobody gets injured. Like that's my, that's one of my key secrets. Like when you come in here, if I see any guy going out of control, like it depends, you know, the more experienced you are, the more I let you guys go hard. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're a beginner, like if I see two beginners killing each other, like I, I put a stop to it. I put him with a blue belt. The blue belt's gonna, he's gonna like teach him, take him under his wing, but he's not gonna brutalize him. Because what happens, you're losing that student. One of those right. two is going to get brutalized. He's not coming back. Right. And then that's one less guy in the practice room. That guy, I could have developed him. Give me a year or two. He's a good training partner for my other guys. It's, a, it's like a pyramid. Eh? Give me five years with him. Now, all of a sudden, he's a key training partner. Oh, seven years. Now, he's a, he's a winner. He's a champion. He's going pro. That guy, you lost him on day one because you, you, sm you smacked him around. You didn't think he's anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, like, give me time with that guy. I'm going to mold him. Yes. Let me season him. So... That, that's why I like to train at my gym because I know everybody has that kind of attitude. I always tell my students, if, if, you, if you, your partner gets injured, it's your fault. Like, go in with that mentality. When you get good, uh, like my students, I have some students that are knuckleheads. They are like, you know, they're cowboys, you know. I tell them, by the time you're good, you're going to be crippled. Like, you, know, your shoulder, like you, you got to black belt, but uh, you got to retire now. You got to stop training. I'm very big on technique, physical conditioning, but rough sparring has to be like, controlled or done very rarely or in, in, in a smart way because so many talented kids get busted up mm -hmm. so many like it's, it's crazy so mma it's, the injuries are ridiculous yeah mma jujitsu even muay thai and just yeah. uh, all martial arts i mean i think that's so important to treat it like your training partner is someone who you're you're in partnership with mm -hmm. like you're, you're helping each other yeah and you need them if you don't have good training partners you're never going to be good this is something i learned from george because i'll tell you the one guy who never hurts anybody in practice is george he's the safest guy to train with i'm telling you i've heard i've seen him hurt like three people in practice all the years i've seen him fight that's train. amazing i could tell you three times you hurt a guy like bad and it was always accidental obviously and uh, one case was a guy got out of control and just kind of like, George just kind of lit him up. But that's very rare because George will just like finished around. That's probably that guy. If he's, that guy's like, you know, he's going to hurt himself if he continues. Uh, but he's very controlled when he trains. But that's why everybody wants to train with George. It's crazy. Like if, if I would say who wants to go with George, everybody's going to raise their hand. It's <laughs> crazy. Because it's going to be a great experience. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of guy, there, there's some students I have that nobody wants to train with. Because they're crazy. Yeah, and I always tell them straight up. Like sometimes I roll with people and they scratch my hand. That's one thing I hate. Mm. When they scratch, like you're rolling yeah. and they dig their nails. Yeah, They're digging their nails because they're nervous. Right. I won't roll with that guy for a while because I, every time I wash my hands, my hands are stinging. I, oh, God. Yeah. You know, like it's such an annoyance to have scratched. Like, you know, it's painful. Yeah, Every time you wash your hands and then I roll, somebody grabs my hand. It's like, ah, uh, you know, it's like a paper cut. And it's like, or... The guy who kicks you in the groin, he's too nervous, he's, he's spazzy, and it's, oh, he kicks you, oh, I can't stand it. I had one guy poke me in the eye. I was blind for two hours, Joe. 
Really? I got to the hospital. My vision was still not there. I, I'm telling you, two hours just because. And he, the guy was a seasoned wrestler or wrestling, and he, he just people are nervous because they're rolling with me. I'm the instructor. Some people, some guys are just nervous because like I got to show him I'm good. And he he kind of did this ridiculous reaction, like a totally abs- absurd reaction. And he poked me in the eye so bad. I tell you, my vision was gone for two hours. By the time I got to the hospital, I still wasn't seeing. I thought I, I thought I lost my eye. I was freaking out. I was like, dude, I'm gonna be I have one eye. I'm gonna have a glass eye. I was like, but luckily uh, it was just like a swelling. I had such swelling inside my eye when it went down. Uh, I was my vision came back, but I still see a light show. Like when I'm driving, I see lights. Really? From yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They told me if one day you see like black polka dots, you have two days to get a surgery or else you're going to lose your eye or something like that. Like, so now if, if I'm, if one day my vision goes polka dot black, like I start seeing black spots, I have to rush the eye doctor. But luckily now it's been over a year, so my eye's fine. When you say you see light shows, like what is it? Is it well, a red tear? Parker light. Like this. Wow. I'll be like. Now Jesus. I like like I just isn't that what Bisping said that caused him to retire? He started seeing lights in his mm, right eye mm, mm. or his left eye rather. His right eye. No, his right eye is all fucked up. His yeah, left yeah. eye, he started seeing lights in too. Oh, really? And that's what he said. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, it's too dangerous. Because he realized he's already. I mean, he's basically blind in one yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah. You see how he wears a he wears a glass eye or a cap. You can see when he got by uh, hit by Kelvin. He didn't see yeah. that shot. No, he didn't see that. That's shot. why it took him. Like when you yeah. don't see the shot, it's worse. Well, he said is effectively fighting blind in one eye mm. for, you know, since the Vitor fight, mm. essentially. You know, yeah, you can't see the depth. <laughs> but yeah, I see lights here and there. It's fine. And I, sometimes I turn my head because I think they're outside. I think the light is outside, but it's... It's, it's the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> They've moved the roller. <laughs> I'm much better now, though. But for like a year, I was like, Fuck, man. Light. I was seeing <clears throat> lights everywhere. And did you get it, an MRI on it? Did no. they Did they know what's going social on? Medicine, social medicine, Joe. Social? Social medicine. What does that mean? <laughs> you wait eight hours in line, and then they give you the minimum oh, care. Oh, social. Yeah, so, socialized, med- socialized medicine. Socialized medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You wait, eight, you wait eight hours in line. You wait eight hours in line. Yeah. And then they give you the minimum amount of treatment. You're here in Los Angeles. Why don't yeah. you stop and visit some real doctors? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Just, I would like you to get it checked out, though, if you're still seeing weird um, lights. I, I hate doctors, man. Really? Oh, my God. I love them. Really? Oh, yeah. They put me back together again. I'd rather just like, I don't know. I, I believe in nutrition and exercise. I do, I too, feel like I'm in a last. I, I'm I also believe in doctors. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I, I believe just in everything good. Yeah, yeah, I, I just have a fear of doctors. I believe in water. I believe in yeah. a lot of good stuff. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> but you know what it is? In Canada, you want to see a doctor, you have to wait a long time. Yeah. And I'm lucky because I have friends that are doctors, so I just call them up and I go oh. see them. But man, to go do the tests and all this and waiting, oh, it takes forever. Yeah, I, I hear and, you, man. But yeah, and eyes are, I mean, you know Winkle John's story. Yeah. I mean, that's the craziest one. <sighs> Holding pads for someone, the guy misses a kick on the pad and hits his toe into his eye. I mean, just crazy. One more time. You can't have one more accident. Yeah. You have one eye that's missing now. And, and and the guy had a nice long fight career too. Never had any problems with his eyes and loses an eye that way. It's crazy. When I hold pads, I hold the small. The most dangerous pad to hold is a small one. Why is that? <sighs> because there's a smaller target. So oh, And plus you feel miss. the kick. There's less between me and the kick yeah. and the knee. Right. This is a very dangerous pad to hold. And I hold sometimes for seven fighters one night. Seven fighters. Oh. I always wear a cup, but I have nothing on my eyes. Oh. One time I got a kick in the head. I never had concussion in my life except for this this time. The guy, he missed a pad. He just kicked wrong. I tried to move with it. Boom, hit me off the head. I'm telling you, I was seeing stars for like an hour and a half. Finished the whole training. Didn't say a word to nobody. 
I was seeing like lights and I was like, I was concussed for sure. Acted normal, finished practice, went home. Well, not feeling well, like kind of like I took it, took it easy from then. But f- first time I get kicked in the head, pow, it's very dangerous to be a holder. Yeah, it is. One mistake. It is. Yeah. One thing though I wear for sure is a cup. When I hold, I always wear a cup. Oh, yeah. I've been kicked in the groin holding. Like the pads are up here, the guy kicks you down there. What are you going to do? But I'm always holding in a way to protect myself. But if I get a little bit sloppy, which can happen, you know, you're tired. Boom, the holder can get hit really hard. You get really hurt. You get hit. I've been hit in the rib, yeah, full kick. Yeah, you get your organs battered yeah, too. you get very hurt. And uh, there's a lot of guys who let people kick them when they have those body shields on. Yes, they let yes, them throw yes. full power yeah, roundhouse kicks to the body. Yeah, oh. I do it. Oh. Uh, Freddie Roach, he got knocked out by Tyson. Did he really? He was telling me the story. Tyson knocked him out. He was holding pads for Tyson. Tyson knocked him out. Oh, my God. Because sometimes the guy's in his head. Yeah. He's in his head. He doesn't like, he's, he, he, you're holding for three punches and he throws a fourth one, but just because it flowed. Right. I don't think they're malicious. Like, my guys are very, you know, they're good, they're good kids. They're just in the flow and sometimes they try right. to, sometimes they hit you. It's very dangerous. Oof. That's why, I me, mean, when I hold pads, I'm always like on guard. Always, yeah. always, always. It's very dangerous. Uh, pad holding is not easy. Very dangerous. No, it's an art too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something that's really, it's, it, there's some people that do it really well mm. and those people are cherished. And then there's some mm. people that just, you know, they you just do well basic the, shit. You might yeah. as well hit the bag. Yeah. yeah. But Wink, Wink, he's a great, I've been in a practice room with him. He's a great trainer. But he has one, like now he has to wear the glasses. I'm sure yeah. like he, I've seen yeah. him wear glasses now. This is so dangerous, man. So yeah. He can't lose, he can't get hit. He can't have, not, he cannot afford one more accent. Right. Of course. And there's nothing they can do about it, right? They no, he's a glass eye. Is it glass eye? Yeah, he has one eye that's glass. Oh, I didn't know it was Yeah, glass. it's glass eye. I thought they- It's gone. Wow. Unless he gets a organ transplant, maybe. I don't know if they can ever do that. Does but they do that? I don't know. Fuck, what kind of operation would that be? I don't know. I don't know if, the op- like if they can maybe get him a donor one day. I don't know. But man, I wouldn't want to lose my vision. Yeah. For us, we just did three hours did and we? 25 minutes, man. It's 625. Awesome. Isn't that crazy? Awesome, man. What are the odds? I had a blast. Oh, so this, I had a blast too. So this new Tim Tam, yes. what, is it available now? Can you buy it yes. already? Free shipping worldwide right now. So get get to it if you want one, man. Free shipping. I got you one with your name on it. Thank you. Listen, folks, I'm not blowing smoke up his ass. This thing is fucking amazing. And it's the other one is amazing. The old one's yes. amazing. This one's even better. And the heat function. Incredible. This one, 32 millimeter travel. This one, 26. Ah. It's more powerful, this one. Most powerful one in the world, and the only one in the world with heat. The only one. The only one. The only this one in the, the world. This is the shit. I love it. Um, yeah. TriStar, Montreal. If you're a trainer, or if you're a fighter, rather, and you want to be trained by the best, it's one place to go. My man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, man. Thank, thank you very much. For us, a hobby, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Bye. Awesome. Man. Thank you, guys. Woo. That was great.